0: Welcome to another episode of The Rewatchman, where we discuss pop culture, TV, comics, and we don't just review movies, we re-review them. I am T.C. DeWitt, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Benjamin Toe. Today, we're giving you a double header of reviews. We are looking at... The 2009 animated film Wonder Woman, so we can discuss the new 2017 Wonder Woman, and in honor of Father's Day, we are going to be looking at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So, Ben, how are you? I am well, <laughs> sir. Well, I so, love,
1: I love that we're doing a double feature. Today. A double feature uh, on accident.
0: Let's let's be honest here. Uh, I, I, Happy accident. We 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 were hemming and hawing about what episode to what we were going to discuss in this episode because yeah. uh, ben, ben has been traveling i've been traveling uh, between europe and the states ben's been up and down the coast so we <laughs> we haven't had a chance to get together recording in uh, a month or so and i uh, first with the with the success of wonder woman i was like oh we should do i was pushing for electra <laughs>
1: <laughs> you really wanted to see jen garner in those oh, tights gosh.
0: <laughs> really i just want i wanted to discuss a bad Superhero movie, a Marvel character. Yeah. We could have got, we could have got into Netflix and the future of the MCU and whatnot. And but I didn't want to go so far as to watch Catwoman, which is unfreaking watchable.
1: <laughs> that is one
0: of the only movies in the history of movies that I've seen in my life that I've walked out on. Oh wow! I walked out of the theater. I could not take it. Damn. <laughs> um. Uh. But then a, a couple weeks went by. Wonder Woman did amazingly successful. So I, you had pitched the 2009 animated Wonder Woman, which yeah. we have have
1: both praised for years since it came out i remember fond memories of it because we were both working in the theater at the time yeah and you were like if this came out today as a live action picture this would be dc's iron man it
0: was it at the time when i saw it i was like just make this shot for shot word for word and you got dc you have your iron man yeah uh and and then uh, father's day came and went and you suggested last crusade yeah which I then forgot you suggested. Oh, no and I know we're in it. Stayed up all night watching Wonder Woman and making notes on it.
1: I think it's great because we get double the podcast that makes up for lost time. Yeah, yeah there yeah. we go. <laughs> Happy accidents. There you
0: go. And and I, we're we're not going to break this up into two episodes unless we go for three hours, which is, <laughs> which is likely. Which is likely. <laughs> uh, but let's let's jump in real quick. Let's discuss Wonder Woman. Uh, itself let's talk about the 2017 the one that just came out let's the patty this. jenkins directed gal gadot starring uh chris pine danny houston the f- the fourth of the dc expanded universe extended universe what is their dc uh, extended or, universe, extended universe yeah. hey, we just want to call it a cinematic you're <laughs> just confusing uh, matters dc you are the dccu uh but the fourth movie Entry in this cinematic universe that they've been attempting since Man of Steel. Mm. Ben, what are your thoughts? Now, well, granted, it's been a few weeks since it's been out. Yeah. It's still number one at the box office. Still number one.
1: Um, uh, I saw it twice. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so what are your thoughts, feelings, and uh, and
1: reactions to I th- this I, movie? I think initial reaction, I, I liked it. I didn't love it because... Okay. And, and this was my same problem I had watching it the second time. Was the third act was terrible. <laughs> it fell into very uh, into all all of the above, all the check boxes you can mark off in the superhero, the tired superhero cliches of fighting giant robot boss battle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah Wolverine three. Yeah, and <laughs> no, thought, Wolverine two. Sorry. Wolverine two. <laughs> and I thought something that ba- Batman Begins has done masterfully is the the bait and switch of the villain. Right, but why Batman Begins did it so well was because they established it that this is, this potentially could be, an antagonizing force mm-hmm. for the protagonist. I feel as oh. though the so the uh, spoilers. <laughs> oh the yeah, sorry, episode. sorry. For yeah. those of
0: you who may not have seen Wonder Woman yet, uh, we are going to discuss any, anything we discuss on the podcast is completely spoilery. Yeah. So if you if you are hesitant to listen, based on I, everyone's seen this movie at this point, but if you haven't seen Wonder Woman. Or the 2009 animated, or Last Crusade. Somehow, <laughs> we will be discussing carte blanche. So, yes, uh, the the bait and switch on Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins is thematically important because it's all about the the, the embodiment of an idea yeah. in a human being, which mm-hmm. is what Batman is doing. So, yes, just saying thematically that, that it's very important. Thematically, but, but the bait I, and switch,
1: as me. well as like just on an emotional, in an emotional context, Bruce and Raz are kind of. The same coin but different sides. Yes. So Bruce could easily be Raz if he was corrupted by this um, uh, extremist idealism mm-hmm. of cleaning up a "quote unquote" city. And so I feel as though something like that could have helped flush out the villain better. But so, I mean, uh, Ares like, in Aries, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I thought the twist was so unnecessary, and it felt like <laughs> it was a twist to be a twist. And it's it kind of undercut. Danny Houston's villain character. Mm-hmm. I don't even know his name because... <laughs> Based about, on a real individual, too. But, a real guy. Yeah, which He's, is cool.
0: Luf... Lufin, Lufin, how was name? Started with an L.
1: Lufendor. Lufin, Lufendor. No. Ganondorf? Gan- <laughs> there it is, the Ganondorf. There, Ganondorf. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought it kind of rendered his character useless and kind of everything that he'd done up to that point was kind of like, why wasn't Dr. Poison the, the villain the entire time? Right. Because I thought she was more... Compelling, mm-hmm. um, At least her backstory was. But neither near or th- here or there, <clears throat> because watching it the second time, I, I really loved it, minus the twist. Mm-hmm. Because it was everything you wanted. Wonder Woman aside, everything you want in a kind of throwback action adventure. Just watching Last Crusade actually made me appreciate Wonder Woman a lot. Because there's, oh, there's so similar many. eras, uh, World yeah. War Two
0: versus World War One, but the yeah. great war. It's a in gra- it's in a similar era. It's
1: got that really great pulpy fun ride, and it's it wears its corniness on its sleeve. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were kind of complaining about the corniness, but I was just. I was just thinking, well, this is how Donner made Superman and how Spielberg made Indiana Jones. It was yeah. supposed to be this pulpy thrill ride that didn't take itself so seriously. A true action adventure. Yes, and you've been talking a lot about these days in, in your essays and in your uh, video cast and whatnot about the dark knight of of the superhero film mm-hmm. and what how they kind of spent – especially DC does it so egregiously is like taking these characters and making it so self-serious but also the themes – Making it so self serving, yeah. I guess. Wonder Woman was about the people and stuff like that. And every wow. every line she spouted, it was so obviously is very naive and very idealist. But I felt it. I was just, I just want to get up my seat, and be like, yes, Diana, <laughs> this this is your duty. Every time she said this is your duty, I was like, yes, this is your duty. But I, I don't know. Like, it just, it just. It was overly romanticized, but in the great—that's—I say that as a compliment. Yes, because yeah. I think that's kind of a lost art. Watching *The Last Crusade* again, which we'll get more into about, it just made me miss not only the yesteryear style of filmmaking, but just kind of the ideal of it's okay to be a romantic. Yeah. It's okay to be an idealist. <laughs> like, when did that they, become such a dirty word? Right.
0: You know? the, the I'm I, I'm gonna jump in here for for to, to piggyback on a lot of stuff you're saying that the optimism and the hope that Wonder Woman brings to the character that that Patty Jenkins brought to this universe. This is what we've been... I, as a fan of DC characters, have been wanting since the morosity of these past three films. You can't uh, lighten up Suicide Squad with some pop music and (laughs) and no actual script. (laughs) And Batman v Superman being so dark and brooding and Man of Steel being this very pessimistic look at a character... Wonder Woman brought hope yeah. and joy. And the only thing I would ask is that the movie was – it's brighter mm-hmm. and more colorful than yeah. – the, especially Mascara, But even in the – once they get to London and the war mm-hmm. – they it's not as desaturated as yeah. the essentially black and white film that is Batman v <laughs> Superman, but I that that I wish it was a little more color graded. Yeah. Um, but I I wish that of the Marvel movies too because mm. Guardians of the Galaxy is so damn beautiful. Yes, but the 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 throwback to the action adventure serials, the the throwback to Christopher Reeve and Richard Donner's Superman, even with the
2: the
1: alleyway fight, the alleyway
0: fight, Anna. and Peggy Jenkins having been inspired yeah. by Donner and Superman. They I had to
1: talk about it at the DGA. Just those two, just like talking wow, about like how, but it had Donner's DNA all over that movie. Yeah, which is so great. That's that's the way they should be emulating. That's who they should be emulating.
0: The yeah. the I do have a couple issues with the movie. They they speed mm-hmm. into like through the exposition of yeah. little Diana growing up to be a warrior, getting the powers, like everything up to Tre- Steve showing up, Steve yeah. Trevor showing up is very. Okay, information, information. However, they are giving the information in a compelling way. Yes. It isn't just info dump for 15 <laughs> minutes, and, and a lot of that would be, would really be bad. Yeah. They they do find interesting ways to establish all the key stuff that then plays a part in the finale. Yeah, like they set up everything um, as as I always credit Nolan for in in his. In his more successful films, everything he sets up in the first act pays off in the third act. Yes, and all the stuff they set up in the beginning of Wonder Woman pays off in
1: the end. I want to get your director's take on this, okay? Because I had I had been internalizing this thought and I've been thinking about how would I rewrite the opening of Wonder Woman because I love openings. I love cold opens. Yeah. I thought not only this would actually flesh out Aries a lot more. Mm-hmm. That be there would be it would be great to get like. fight between the titans and the gods or like Ares defying zeus and that's the opening which is literally the opening of the 2009 animated wonder world yes yes that's (laughs) what i'm thinking and then and then you drop in diane as is i don't Mm -hmm. i mean it's great that we got to see her as a little girl but i don't think that's that's kind of like the least memorable part of that movie for me yeah yeah Yeah. her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) so from a director's perspective, from a storyteller's perspective, yeah. uh, opening up with a stronger development of Ares as a character. Mm. I see where you're coming from there. However, the movie is about Diana. Yeah, that's right. And how they establish Ares with the moving imagery.
1: Yeah. I feel is enough. That would be cool if the moving imagery was the opening. Kind of like a Kung Fu Panda where you get yes. the 2D animation. Because yeah, I really love... How they animated that sequence—it mm-hmm. was a collection of like CG, but also it seemed hand-drawn. Yeah, it looked yeah. very
0: reminiscent of Greek paintings. Yes. and Greek artwork yes. comes to life. Yes, uh, very, very cool stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's there just enough to plant all the seeds you need for later. Yeah. But really, the movie being about Diana, uh, I, I wouldn't have minded a little more development. Just a couple extra lines here and there, developing relationships between. Artemis and uh, and Hippolyta yeah. and uh, and the other Amazonian sisters. Who was
1: Robin Wright's character? She was Hippolyta,
0: right? Hippolyta. No, uh, that's the mother, right? Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the mother. Yeah, Connie Britt, no, Connie something. Connie Nielsen was Hippolyta. And I forgot who was Robin Wright. Robin Wright was yeah. uh, Artemis. Artemis? Artemis? Just the, the uh, <laughs> Diana's trainer. It's yeah. Artemis in the comics. I'm forgetting <laughs> if that's who Jenny. she is. Janie. It was Janie. Yeah. <laughs> so, who's, also, who's awesome, by the way? Yeah, well,
0: so fierce. Oh, everyone was yeah. the, the. I think the cast is 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 wonderfully it's wonderfully cast. Yeah, uh, Gal Gadot is incredible. I cannot take my eyes off of her, and well, it's not just crush every day. It's, it's not just that she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought she's I thought she was beautiful since Fast and the Furious.
2: Yeah,
0: she's cute and powerful and strong, and she's naive. She's intelligent. Yeah. She's funny. She's determined mm-hmm. she is Every, how well her character is written and how well she is portrayed on screen is the textbook rule for everyone need, that everyone needs to follow yeah. especially in the dc universe because what do we really know about superman yeah. what do we know about henry cavill superman what do we know about ben affleck's batman yeah it's all these shorthands i complain about this all the time that that the DCEU up to this point with the three movies prior to Wonder Woman uses a shorthand and shorthand, it can be fine. You can, you can, you can introduce archetypes and and play to those archetypes. But for characters that are so vastly deep and, and have such a history to them, a a, a vast history to them, don't shorthand Batman, don't shorthand Superman, play up the archetypes and, give me actual information
1: about these people <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very it's it's cinematic ad- mad libs yeah essentially and you're just it's disrespecting the audience because you're having them guess and fill in the blanks mm-hmm. about who these people are and like you said they're so deeply complex and to have them portrayed in such a non nuanced manner yeah. um it makes them very not only cardboard just very boring to watch it's bad direction yeah, yeah. more than it's bad writing.
0: It's right? like a weird confluence <laughs> of both, actually. And, and that's where yeah. where Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot's performance thrives. It's, it's, yeah. it's just blow it's just amazing. She is so compelling to watch. It's she's so interesting, so wonderful to watch on
1: screen that What do you think about this? Yeah. Just as a fan, a movie fan and a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. Because I know they're trying to shoehorn Ben Affleck's Batman as the leader of this Justice League movie mm-hmm. and the cinematic universe.
0: And they're relationshiping them. I don't know if you're getting that in, I don't know if you're feeling that out. Oh, my God. Please,
1: no. Really? <laughs> it Is feels that... like
0: they're shipping them,
1: oh, if I may use the term. Please, no. Okay. Please, I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm really hoping not because she doesn't need it. Steve. Steve for life. Team <laughs> Steve. <laughs> so, anyway, they're pushing Batman as the leader of, of the Justice League. But what do you think about her being the Tony Stark of this universe. This oh, United she universe. should be. Yeah. I think well, that'd be great. 100%. She's the she most fully be. fleshed, and she's the most uh, charismatic one of them all, yeah. actually. I yeah. Because I know a lot of people are praising Ben Affleck for BBS and stuff like that. Well, I think he just shined because everyone else was just that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Having watched Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice,
0: more than a few times. More than you should. <laughs> more than I should have. Gal Gadot is the best part of that movie. But it could be that she wasn't in it enough to yeah. be screwed up mm-hmm. by Zack Snyder's terrible
1: direction. And, and, like, it was weird because I know a lot of people were praising Gal Gadot after that film. But I was still having reservations because there was that the ballroom scene with her and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. It still felt I don't know if we ag- we mutually agreed on this on the po- on the last podcast, but it still felt very stiff and wooden. Like I was concerned that oh you know she can fight but, right because she, she was act. good, but, but can she act? Now again? we know it's Zack Snyder. <laughs> it's, <Zach> Snyder. <laughs> it's confirmation. I never I never had any doubt <laughs> that
0: Zack Snyder was to blame for ninety nine percent. him and Goyer. Uh, and whoever's making the decisions up to, there's a lot of people responsible. Yeah. Now, to, to back up here, I, I'm not. I don't feel like Wonder Woman is the greatest superhero movie no. of all time. It's yeah. not, I don't even put it up there in in some of the best, uh, yeah. Dark Knights and Winter Soldier. Like, there's some in Chris, the first Spider Man. There are some amazing superhero movies. There's just a lot to choose from. Yeah. My my favorite review of Wonder Woman was: "It's so good, it's technically a Marvel movie." <laughs> <laughs> which true by comparison it is leaps and bounds ahead of the other three some people yes. are like oh man steel's not so bad go watch, go go back and watch that movie <laughs> don't even don't oh. even put that. <laughs> not, not even a hair i yeah.
1: i don't want to be dismissive because this is this is truly a good film yes it's it is a good film it's not it's not the dark knight and i hate i hate this just this argument in general for all superhero films. This is the Dark Knight since the Dark Knight. Or this is better than the Dark Knight. No, no, no. The, the one thing the Dark Knight – this is a side note. But the one thing that the Dark Knight does that a lot of superhero films don't do mm. is talk about the repercussions of violence. Yeah. The one thing that really bothered me about watching Wonder Woman mm. was how casual she was in murdering these dudes. <laughs> She's a warrior. She's a warrior. But I don't – it just – this is the vibe that I got. They didn't establish it. And the, on the, the the mascara, the mascara. Yeah. The, uh, but she hasn't killed up to this point. I'm assuming because she right. she has been shielded from uh, fi- like violence and training in general. Mm-hmm. And I thought there should have been at least a moment where there is a moment where she 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 sees her sister shot and right. that takes her back. But her first kill, I thought there should have been remorse there because like this is her first time being in true battle. The
0: the greatest representation of that is in Casino Royale. Yes, when it's not—it's not Daniel Craig's first kill in battle, <coughs> but out on the job as a 007 mm-hmm. after he killed the stairwell fight, yeah. and he drinks the and he cleans up his wounds in the bath. That scene is a an incredible demonstration of of the mental repercussions, yes. non-verbally. Not—it's communicated all through emotion. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I can I can see that. I, I I wonder if that's the fine line between the fun that this movie was yeah. trying to portray and mm-hmm. the reality that some of the other DC movies have been trying to yeah. portray but you're 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 not wrong
1: you're not there is it, definitely a like a bigger philosophical argument to be had but like i, I think this is just a long winded way of tracking back to i didn't want to be dismissive because i think this is truly a great film mm-hmm. but do you think the novelty of it being the first female superhero and like the cuz obviously just seeing it just seeing a woman doing these things, even like the third act, how I thought it was very tired and cliched of yeah, yeah, all these superhero yeah. films. But seeing Gal Gadot do it was freaking <laughs> awesome. And I felt really – I'm not a woman, but I felt empowered. I felt like I want to punch somebody. I want to go I, out and punch some Nazis. But... I love all the stories of, of people
0: uh, – women crying yeah. and not knowing why. <laughs> the The, the – the the peak of the movie is the No Man's Land scene
3: when yes. she rises oh my up. God. Oh my god!
0: And she so masterfully done. tackles that that whole sequence mm. from the from landing in the trenches. Steve being like, "We have to keep going." She's like, "No, we have to help." Yeah. And she just makes the decision to fight. She gets out on that battlefield, getting into the town, chucking that tank, taking out the sniper. That whole sequence of the film is up there in one of the greatest superhero, some of the greatest superhero moment uh, movie moments
1: ever. You think it's too soon to say top ten? Mm,
0: yeah, it's too soon for me. It's too soon for me to say in the <laughs> yeah. top ten. It's so because good. The, I do want to reiterate: this movie isn't perfect, and I don't, I don't think it's the greatest. It's one of the greatest superhero movies of all time, but yeah. it is an achievement mm. in female direction, yes. being the highest-grossing female-directed film yeah. of all time. Now that's lovely. <laughs> To to finally see Wonder Woman on the screen and not getting screwed, not screwing it up. That the uh, there, there's so much right in this movie yeah. that it was a relief. That yeah. was my main takeaway when I watched out of the movie. I was just relieved. Yeah, that thank God they got it right yeah. because I I don't think I as a fan of comic books or film could have taken another DC movie. <laughs> I don't think I could have done it. I, I honestly and I still think we're going to get that with Justice League. Yeah. We'll get to that later when we we'll discuss the news. If Wonder Woman was bad would you stop? Would you quit DC movies? Well, I I, I wouldn't necessarily be able to outright stop, yeah. but I would stop pursuing like the the need for me to see a movie on opening weekend has become less and less. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on opening weekend, but they're even like the releases of TV shows on Netflix and my, my desire to get to it immediately has been diminishing just because well life is busy. Yeah. <laughs> but with with Wonder Woman if it had been worse I I might have been like, you know what? I think I'll wait a couple of weeks to see Justice League. Yeah. Uh, really that's how my that would be the feeling at the time obviously my mind would change when I'd be like hey uh, it's Wednesday let's go see (laughs) Justice League because I need to see this it's important to me that I continue to see these characters exist so I I want them to be good but going into Wonder Woman and having that the nerves like please just please don't don't screw this up
1: and I and I hate that that has to be the feeling. Right. It shouldn't it's be. It's, it's cynicism. Because, it's such no. no cynicism. It's not just cynicism. It's all these years of not having a female superhero, and the fact that that ceiling has been there this entire time is shameful. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm looking at Patty Jenkins' career, and she hasn't made a feature film. Since Monster. That's 2003. <laughs> <coughs> she, won a, she won an Oscar for crying out loud. What does a filmmaker have to do? Well, Why we, does Kevin, Colin Trevorrow have well, the keys we, to the Star Wars whole. We'll have a
0: conversation about that when we get to the news because I, yeah. I definitely want to have a conversation about that. But the let, let, let me talk about the 2009 Wonder Woman because having yeah. rewatched it, you didn't rewatch it, but I did. Yeah,
1: That movie's not as good as we remember it. You know what? I... I think you're right. Yeah. Cuz I rewatch The Bar Scene <laughs> and wow the the connotations of I mean you can we can go into that later but like so what's your initial reaction? It's
0: well, one last thing for Wonder Woman, the third act of Wonder Woman, the big boss battle is yeah. so, it, to me, it was super boring. I was, as soon as it got to that moment, I was, that's where I kind of checked out. The yeah. peak of the movie is the No Man's. No did, man did
1: you see it only only once, right? I've seen it twice. <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah, both times had the same feeling. It's right? once it gets yeah. to the
0: third act, the big boss fight, I'm like, just wrap this up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's who can punch hardest.
1: What would you think about uh, Chris Pine?
0: Chris Pine was great. Yeah. He was restrained, which yes. was important, because if he had been playing it up like he plays as Kirk, which is Kirk, his Kirk is much more wacky. Uh, that would not have, I would not have liked Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently if your name is Chris and you're playing a combo character named Steve in a war epic, you have to sacrifice yourself in a plane. <laughs> it's a must. Also, no body, no death. Yes, that's true. We did not see him die. He might have pulled a Dark Knight Rises. Yes, exactly. Autopilot. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, the 2009 Wonder Woman, the animated feature, is uh, it's directed by Lauren Montgomery, a female director. That's awesome. It stars so awesome. Carrie Russell as – Written by Gail Simone as well. Uh, written by Gail Simone yeah. uh, as well as two dudes. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Carrie Russell as Wonder Woman. Nathan Fillion as perfectly cast as Steve Trevor. Yeah. Um, uh, Alfred Molina as Ares and Rosario Dawson as Artemis.
1: Oh, that was a good cast.
0: There are a lot of similarities between this and the twenty seventeen. Yeah. A lot of story beats are the same. However, the two thousand nine Wonder Woman as, as I remembered it, this is this is why I love doing the rewatchment, where we, we specifically pick a film that we have a feeling about that we haven't watched in a long time, go back and reevaluate it and see if our opinion changes. Yeah. My opinion has changed on this movie because it's not Iron Man good. Ooh. It's not it's not if you made this two thousand nine animated Wonder Woman. As a live-action film, exactly the same, it would not be as good. Yeah, it would not be. It it would it would it'd, it'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> like particularly because we have the 2017 to compare it to. Yeah, it's it still has some great stuff. The animation sequences on the fights, all the fights are spectacularly realized. It's it's the fluid anime style fighting that the DC movies have have really embraced post-the Batman animated series and the Justice League Unlimited. Mm. So the, the the fight scenes and the animations of, of those fight scenes are top-notch. I will not give them any downside. And, and even the third act where it's Ares attacks Washington, D.C. and raises the Amazonian dead to fight with for him, and the Amazons show up, and it becomes the Amazonian women versus these undead Ares bad, baddies, yeah. with Wonder Woman taking on... On uh, Ares himself, and Steve is in the invisible jet taking out all the flights. Like, there's a lot of great. It's it's that three point three front war situation happened. Very well written, very well realized, very very cool. And I like the third act of this movie mm-hmm. better than the 2017 boss battle that we got. Okay, so it's there. <coughs> it was a very well realized sequence. Yeah, uh, a lot of cool gimmicks. I mean, I don't mean gimmicks Gimmicks as a pejorative, I mean, is a good thing. Yeah, because a good gimmick can make a good fight. Yes, and uh, uh, her fighting with the lasso versus the sword, like that, she's deflecting the sword with the lasso, yeah. sh- showing the strength of that as a weapon. <clears throat> it's great, uh, Artemis versus the betrayer in the movie. Mm-hmm. The there's a there's a girl who betrays the Amazonians by freeing Ares. Yeah, and that's how he gets out. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff. However, this movie is still super sexist. Yes, it, it thinks it thinks that it's being empowering to women, mm-hmm. and there's there certainly are some of those moments throughout it. It is still Steve Trevor mansplaining. It is still uh, Ed a Candy in the animated one is. I bought this new dress for you, Steve. Do you <laughs> like it? And oh, can you help me pick up that pen? And yeah. it leads to one Woman saying, "Is there something wrong with you that you can't pick up a pen yourself?" But it's still is really ham-fisted yeah. and it's coming for, though Gail Simone wrote it there's some definitely some male input on it <laughs> and it, it it does not come across genuine yeah when you see yeah. the the commentary that's uh, the 2017 Wonder Woman has on a lot of the you know uh, like I love the boat sequence like oh, men are made for reproduction or, yeah. for reproduction like there's a lot of addressing of the sexism and, but for pleasure not necessary right <laughs> 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 I don't want to make any rude comments, um, but the 2009 one, the the it, we were discussing off mic before we started how dated Friends feels and some of its sexism and the 2009 animated Wonder Woman feels dated. Like some of the jokes don't land. It still comes off a little hokey yeah. and uh, disingenuous. Yeah. Um, the voice acting is great. Carrie Russell is a very well cast Wonder Woman. Nathan her. Fillion. Nathan Billy's the best. So yeah. he, he, he plays the, the charm yeah. very well. However, Steve Trevor as a character is written uh, – well. there, again, there are so, so many similarities between these two films, the yeah. 17 and the 9, in Steve falling for Wonder Woman. But Chris Pine falling for Wonder Woman in uh, – that's Gal Gadot. It, it makes more sense. It, it, mm. Though it is sped through, it feels a little rushed. And yeah. it's, that's movie making. That's storytelling. It feels earned. I, I don't know if he should have said he loved her necessarily. Yeah. But in the heat of battle, in, in the suicide mission, in the subtext that Steve has lost a uh, love before ever meeting uh, Diana... You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's earned. I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's very well earned. And and let me tell you, let me. What do you think of this? When he is talking to her, the the explosion has deafened her, mm. and he's and he's telling her how he feels, and she's like, I, I, what, Let me do it. Let me do it. Whatever it is, I'll do it. What? I, I can't hear you. I can't understand you. And he and he says goodbye, yeah. and he gets in that plane and goes away. When she's in the heat of battle with with Aries. She has that moment where it flashes back and you get to hear what Steve said. Yeah. My first thought was I wish they hadn't done that mm. because if they were going to do all that, why didn't they just do it the first time? Yeah. I don't think that's what he actually said. I think that's what she'd like to believe he said. Ooh. And, and I, <laughs> I, In that he, he could have said something to that effect. Yeah. And I'm sure, it, yes, that is what he said because you can read his lips if you play it side by side. And, but I – I like the implication that she's she's experienced the world outside them that she's experienced humanity and mankind and and she has created this relationship with 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 Steve Trevor yeah. over the course of their journey together that 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 feels okay to me that that, that their relationship feels it feels rushed but it also feels earned and with the idea that she might have just projected all that yeah. onto him
1: feels better for me i don't know I, what do you think you bring out. oh man you're no your thoughts are great it's actually making me think a lot about the disparity between the animated steve trevor and the live action steve steve trevor or how steve trevor is often portrayed because i love chris pine's take or patty jenkins take on um the live action steve trevor because he's mm-hmm. really sensitive the the last line is actually what is kind of like what totally separates him in a different league in terms of all the other Steve Trevor's portrayed in the comic books and throughout Wonder Woman history mm-hmm. is he respects her. He says, I can save the world today, but you can save the world tomorrow. Yeah. He believed in her to the to the point where he knows he has to sacrifice himself in order for her to establish herself as the savior of tomorrow. And how correct me if I'm wrong because, you know, we've I've I've read like only a handful of Wonder Woman titles yeah yeah. but how I how I see Steve Trevor falling for Diana in a lot of the things that I've read
2: Mm -hmm.
1: he falls for her because she's strong or she's doing things that a man should do better than he does and it's kind of like in a very fetishizing way yes it's like it's like oh my gosh I'm kind of like aroused because (laughs) because you are doing everything that I can do but better Better, yeah he Chris Pine's Steve Trevor genuinely respects her as a human being. Mm-hmm. And something it's very small, it's very nuanced, but it's enough to like you said, it feels earned because that feels real. That's how love feels. Yeah. Like you and genuinely respect totally. the opposite sex. Yeah.
0: I totally can get on with it. Yeah. I totally get on board with that. And and, the, and and him loving her, how could you not love her? <laughs> 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 uh, yes, Chris, I agree. Uh, yes, Steve, Trevor, I, I agree. Yeah. But he he he's a very selfless soldier. Yeah, the mission, the mission, the mission. Mm. From the minute he steals the plans to getting to London. Finally like he is a soldier through and through. Yeah. We, and uh, and then breaking the rules to continue the mission. No, we this will end the war. This will end the war. And no, you can't go out in the battlefield. We have to keep the mission going. Yeah. He was selfless and he was dedicated to his cause through and through, but in his final moments it was it wasn't just the mission. I feel that that he was inspired by her selflessness yes. to to take to fully accept his suicide. Yeah, that, up to that point, he had proved himself the true soldier, mm-hmm. dedicated to the cause. But I think in that final moment of of professing love to her was was a respectful and full love. It wasn't just your hot you <laughs> your exactly. capable. It, it fe- rushed though it may have been. Yeah, and whether he said it or whether she imagined him saying it because i'm not saying that's how i'm viewing the movie i'm saying it's one way to to perceive that moment yeah and what empowers her in the end is that he embodies the the
1: um uh the inspiration she could be yeah the ideals that he instilled Mm -hmm. she instilled in him and like there's there's this argument kind of floating around saying like his death inspired her to be you know fool wonder woman Mm -hmm. which is like which some people were complaining, well, why does she have to... Why does a man need to push yeah, her to the final why does she arm? have yeah. to be inspired by a man still? But I would also argue that Steve's arc is complete because of her. Oh, certainly. And, and like like he mentioned before, like my father always said when something bad happens, you either do nothing or you do something. Mm-hmm. And I tried nothing. Meaning, at first he must have been a pessimist. At first he must have not believed in the cause or whatever, quote unquote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she made him fully realize... That there still is good left because he tried to push her forward and not go into no man's land. Right. He tried to stop her um, near the climax. I, f- I forgot. At the wall or something like
0: they, that. They disagree over when she wants to fight When she wanted Danny to kill Houston. Lundorf, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He tried to stop her. But then he realized maybe a lot of what I'm contributing to the war is wrong as mm-hmm. well. And she's making me realize the error of my ways – through this kind of like childlike innocence mm-hmm. of the world, that there still is good in people, and even though I'm not ju- not stopping, this one person is going to stop the war, but maybe one action can. Yeah. And so he took upon himself to create that action, and in, that's inspiring. In the, I love that. I love yeah.
0: that that being able to step back and analyze the performances and and the script. Yeah. In this fashion. Just reinforces that this, even on a subconscious level, we could tell how much better this movie. is. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said that, um, that Wonder Woman is doing everything that Zack Snyder thinks he's been doing mm. <laughs> for the past three movies. Yeah, granted, his name's still in the story, but that's uh. not, like, in, the, in the 2009 animated one, Steve still treats her uh, as as the. Let me hold the door for you. I'm doing this because I res- I respect you, but it still comes off um sexist yeah. it's a, and and the the movie itself still has some other elements that I feel oh well, okay you, you might not remember this, but there's so Ares is captured at the beginning he's locked up he's been in there for a century there's the the guard the girl guard lets him go because he's seduced her for a hundred years yeah. and, and to the point where it was a hundred years a years courting that led to her finally releasing him. And then he goes to Rehavoc. havoc, yeah. and she goes along with him. It feels very much like Angel from X Men: First Class, just going with Magneto. Yeah, Mag- not Magneto. Um, Kevin Bacon, uh, <laughs> Sebastian Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. So in the final battle, when Artemis and the and I can't remember person, uh, I can't remember her name. LX, uh, anyway, the, the the bad girl yeah. are fighting. No, oh, I'm sorry. Hippolyta versus her. You betrayed us, sister. Oh, my queen. You have no one. You. It's your fault. You closed us off from humankind Mm -hmm. you created a barrier and you prevented me from falling in love getting married Uh, and having children yeah that's what i really wanted and you prevented me from having that and so her entire motivation to free aries was so that she could be free to fulfill her duty as as she says yes we're amazons but you forget we're also women yeah and women have babies and get married to men, <laughs> and, and that was the implication of that line. I'm like, that was the whole reason that you betrayed your Amazonian sisters. It could have been. Yeah. I just want to be out there in the world. Yeah, it could have been that. Oh but the implication is, as a woman, she wanted to have children. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. You, you, I don't want it to be mistaken here. Yeah. That's that is fine. That is a fine motivation. Mm. But for that to be her sole motivation. Mm. To to me as a straight white
1: dude <laughs> feels sexist. Yes. Oh my god, that's I forgot about that. Yeah, that's completely dated. Yeah, yeah, even for two thousand
0: nine. So I that that rubbed me the wrong way in the in the anime. I got a few other notes here. So I, I did mention that the lasso fighting is 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 pretty awesome. Um, uh, when when Steve. Is forced to tell the truth by the lasso of truth. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love that it was painful him for him to fight it yeah. in in as Chris Pine trying to fight the lasso and speaking the truth. I thought that was great. And in the the animated film, he just anytime he's asked a question, he can't. He's compelled to tell the truth. Yeah. But more than once throughout the movie, his truth is, for example, uh, is there anything uh, anything else you need to tell us? Yes, your daughter has a nice rack. <sighs> and that happens a couple times in the film where the truth that he has to say is hot sexy that's sexy hot even when the, when the climax of the third act is happening and the amazonians show up and they defeat the day or they defeat the bad guy and they win the day they cut to the president president the battle's over what happened apparently we were saved by a bunch of
1: supermodels oh my gosh. <laughs> which <laughs> what the hell <laughs> that is so reminiscent of the f- one of the last lines of Man of Steel. Yeah. Remember, he's remember hot. The, yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: move. Oh. i pin to the jugular.
0: Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, my God. <laughs> right, and so that, in, in in respects to, again, it's hard not to compare the, the two. Yeah. That makes the 2009 that much weaker. Yeah. At, at the time that movie came out, I was so thrilled by seeing a great Wonder Woman movie. It wasn't Justice League with the guys. It wasn't Batman. It wasn't Superman. Yeah. It was this really great animated feature film starring wonder woman yeah it was it was very well done but going back to it now it does not hold up it does not hold up
1: well man i'm just wondering like is it is it the novelty of wonder woman because we haven't we've been so deprived of a good fully realized female superhero character that even at that time, we were just like, yes, it's Wonder Woman. It has to be good. Well, yeah. possibly. It,
0: yeah. the, what we have now with Gal Gadot, yeah. it's not only important – we needed this. Yes. We needed this as as filmmakers, as moviegoers, as, as, for the the glut and the monotony that yeah. superhero films are offering from from a more – cynical point of view yeah. the same thing over and over again mm. it was it was important that we finally have this for the and, kids man and, and it was important that it was wonder woman yes that if if captain marvel will be fine i'm mm. sure captain marvel will be great i i do like how black widow has been portrayed over the course of the five movies she's been in. yeah uh, ups and downs for sure but scarlett johansson and the marvel team have realized her very well yeah but it was important that they got Wonder Woman so damn right.
1: She had to be the first. It
0: had to be her. It, yeah. it, if it had been anyone else, that would have been fine. Yeah. But it is it is great and important and, and powerful that it was it was her yeah. that did it. And that a woman did it. <laughs> that yes. Patty Jenkins did it.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and it just goes to show how important it is to have a different voice or an appropriate voice mm-hmm. pertaining to an appropriate topic or whatever and just just seeing like a female superhero film directed by a woman there's like in terms of some technical things i'm sure any oh. capable director jumping into that seat still could have pulled off the film mm-hmm. without the nuances like like what we said with chris pine's arc mm-hmm. how, how would that have been if a, if a dude directed it because i know two guys who direct, wrote this script mm-hmm. But with Patty Jenkins' voice and her leadership and her guidance, it totally she molded into her own. You yeah, know? Chris that's... Pine
0: could have been more like Nathan Fillion's smarmy Steve Trevor. How's Cocky. It going? And Cocky. that's what I was anticipating because yeah. Chris Pine is known for those roles, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, something that the animated film did that we did absolutely not see in the live-action one mm. is when she suits up for the first time. Yeah, we get a nice close-up shot of her boobs <laughs> going into the. Of, of being lifted by the bustier. Yeah. Just a straight-on cleavage shot, mm-hmm. boobs. Man, what is And there are several shots in the film that that focus on her curves and her ass, yeah. like the way she's positioned in the frame or the way that she's tackled a bad guy. It's 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 sexualized. Yeah. And Gagadot is beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah. But she's never sexualized. Yeah. Right? Um and all the Amazonians are these gorgeous, powerful women who are UFC fighters and and um, and uh, uh, bodybuilders, and they're like cross, literally Olympians. Crossfit. Yeah, Olympians, <laughs> yeah. CrossFit. Like they're they're all beautiful, but yeah. there's never and and that has to be because a female was in charge. Yes, because <laughs> there wasn't any glorification of of uh, Wonder Woman's body. Yeah, right.
1: It's an understanding. Of how you want to see yourself portrayed. Mm -hmm. Like, as, say, like me as an Asian American, I wouldn't portray my character as a stereotypical lung duck dog character that owns a convenience store or whatever. Even though there are people like that. (laughs) Yes.
2: You don't (laughs) want to play up the the, the stereotypes. Just
1: like me, what kind of nuances and wrinkles and different takes can I Mm -hmm. do on this perspective? And that's what Patty Jenkins brought to Wonder Woman. It's very nuanced on paper. Mm Mm-hmm. But as a whole, it paid dividends. <laughs> We're talking about it making history now because of her. Yeah. If this was Zack Snyder, God knows what would happen. Ugh. We'd probably be thinking, okay, looking forward to Captain Marvel now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's Captain Marvel's turn. But I'm glad it's Wonder Woman, like you said, because mm-hmm. this is hands down the most iconic female character in the superhero pantheon. Not Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of disappointed I didn't rewatch Wonder Woman 2009, but. And then again, I think you saved me the grief. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, fi- as a final recommendation, yeah.
0: um, I just go back to Justice League Unlimited. And- oh, I'm so- sorry. Not to interrupt, oh.
1: or not to prolong it, actually, yeah. but I actually want to talk about the bar scene because I, I rewatched scene. Oh, certainly. That scene. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What, uh, what so were your, Steve, what so were your so thoughts st- about that? Steve
0: gives uh, Diana tequila. Mm. And they drink, 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 and he gets smashed, and she's fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's a god,
1: and alcohol is not going to affect
0: her like it affects a mere
1: mortal. <laughs> Under the the kind of shmormy pretense of getting her drunk. Right, and yeah. she calls him out on it, and she's like,
0: you know, screw you. You tried to get me drunk, asshole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's wrong
0: with that? You're beautiful. is that...
1: I don't know, there's something weird and rapey about that scene. Oh, certainly. Oh my god, I felt really dirty watching that scene.
0: (laughs) I understand it was meant to be played for humor, Yeah, but this many years removed, Mm -hmm. uh, we've progressed. Our our awareness as film watchers has changed, our awareness as uh, people in society has changed, and society itself has changed enough because of circumstances in the past decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we can't help but look at that now and be like, ooh, hey, ooh, ooh, blue, blue Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> uh, and then it leads to the alley fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is again very reminiscent of it's
1: so weird. I'm I'm still kind of waiting for like the kind of all out, totally nuts, unapologetically feminist Wonder Woman film. I would love the next villain to be a woman. Mm-hmm. and not Cheetah <laughs> but she, like,
0: she's the villain at the end of the 2009 movie oh, oh yeah, they was. have a, they have a very amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2 ending where they do a boss battle to like they end it epilogue and then the, the or climax is all done and then they have a little like dun, 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 oh Cheetah's robbing a bank to the rescue uh, call me if you're going to be late I don't want to burn dinner Steve's line yeah then he she rips off she comes up she sees Cheetah she goes in a punch and cut the black <laughs> right But you you want a a pure feminist film, which I think you can get. Because now I I know that they've said Wonder Woman 2 is going to take place modern. Like they're going to get it
1: post-justice? I'm a little disappointed. We have how do you feel about how
0: that? How many decades to play in? give me get to the 60s? Go to the civil rights. Go oh to the the civil rights movement during get, Gloria
1: Steinem's era. Yeah, yeah. come
0: on. I want let's let's see Wonder Woman in the Linda Carter era. Get yeah. her in the 60s and 70s like, during the
1: uh, egregious time when they they uh, took away her powers and had her learn karate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, why not continue with this?
0: This, hell, World War II. Give me another great war. Yeah. Get, there's so much time to play with. I don't want to see... Let the Justice League movies take place yeah. in, in contemporary. Give me more period pieces. The, there, there's so much more interesting things to be had. For example, in the 2009 Wonder Woman, it's modern day. They're fighting, there's jet fighters mm. and there's, there's technology. and There's something that is that makes it less interesting to yeah. just set it now. To set yeah. it in... The, in World War One was great because there was a lot of period pieces are just more interesting in terms of the genre and yeah. and the, the latitude you have to tell more interesting stories. Having that perspective of the era, the costumes, the, the buildings, the technology yeah. affects the overall story.
1: Yeah, and just, I don't know, in terms of just sheer emotionality, I think something that first class does great that say um apocalypse doesn't because mm-hmm. apocalypse portrayed the 80s as just an aesthetic yeah. look how cool and sexy this yeah, is there, there was
0: nothing particularly nuanced about being set in the 80s yeah, whereas and, the 60s yes
1: and it was great and what i loved about wonder woman is just the, the little moments mm-hmm. that you felt like you were time traveling and the dance outside of was it a, the camp? Oh yeah, after they at, saved at the post, city. Yeah, post no man's land, snow was falling, it was lit, it was like dimly lit, and the Scottish guy was playing the piano and yeah. just having that little moment. I felt that moment would not have felt as, as that timeless oh, yeah. if it was set in like now. Now in like <laughs> Los downtown Los Angeles or something like that. completely there, you know? agree. Yeah.
0: Completely agree. There's something special it's about a storybook. That's what it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. By the way, Scottish character completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, hit where? That was an arc with no payoff. He yes. should have got a final shot in, but never did it. He was the he was the binoculars. Okay, yeah. that's, a, that's the most he had.
1: That that weird troop of uh, UN of stereotypes was just like the foaling commandos. F- fo commandos. He's <laughs> here till Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the every little thing that they tried to say with each character, like. He has PTSD, the Scottish guy. Mm -hmm. The Moroccan guy wanted to be an actor, but he's a different color, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote. The Native American was in this war because he wanted to get away from America because the Americans stuck away his home. Like, they're all very nice, nuanced threads done in a very goofy, superficial way. So you can't take those threads seriously. So I thought, why have it at all?
0: I, or just they could have capitalized it on it more. That was just an aside that he yeah. had. But you're right. That dance sequence set where it's where it was. The timelessness, the storybook aspect of it, and juxtaposed it to the 2009, which is quote unquote modern day. Yeah. It's 2009, so it's been a you know a few years. It doesn't
1: feel as powerful. It doesn't feel as interesting, or, yeah. or is is just generally neat. It's just so. I don't know. It's it wonderfully done, and I wish it was done uh, in more period pieces. Because like, yes, what, give me give me more
0: superhero period pieces for crying out loud! <laughs>
1: uh, it would be somewhere interesting. I would love to see a Marvel film set in like the '60s, the, yeah. the heyday well, era of Marvel. He,
0: even the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy two being in the '80s, was, yeah. was nice. <laughs> that was really cool. And like oh.
1: just a just like the the pitch that I wanted to pitch you actually mm-hmm. with the female villain, I thought it's so reminiscent of that 2009 <clears throat> that that final thread that you're talking about with the. The, betray- the Betrayal of the Sister. Because mm-hmm. I thought, what an interesting kind of arc for the Amazonians in general. Because their whole shtick was, don't trust men. Mm-hmm. They're bad. They're evil. And then trust have a woman
0: them. be the guy Yeah,
1: and that's that's the wrinkle in, ter- in the commentary of humanity on the Amazonian uh, like culture. Because mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, it's not just we're women. We're humans. And yeah. there is shades... Of womanhood that you may or may not disagree with, and some may want more power and this and that. And I thought a betrayal of a sister would have been so much more emotionally powerful than giant robot boss (laughs) battle. Well, (laughs) save for the sequel, but I I,
0: I do think that there's that a a female villain would be great. I'm I'm excited for Thor two because we have or Thor three because we have a female villain, right? And it's Cate Blanchett. So
1: (laughs) I wonder how that's gonna go. More of her, please. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, yes! Wow. Ragnarok looks awesome. Yes, it does. Did, is it safe to say that that could potentially be the best Marvel film of the year?
0: That's the one I've been most looking forward to. Yeah. At Guardians of the Galaxy, I knew it was going to be good. Wonder Woman, I was nervous to sell. I'm still with holding judgment on anything Spider-Man, particularly because apparently they've released about a half hour of the movie so far in the trailers. The <laughs> <laughs> So ragnarok since that first trailer i was yeah, like hell thing. yeah and we'll actually talk trailers later because there's another trailer marvel has released that we can discuss oh my god yes um, and, and quick pitch for my guardians of the galaxy 3 time travel uh and and um not affecting the timeline but i think that chris pratt's uh, star lord will get a chance to say goodbye to his mom
1: yes i think you were you were hinting I, at I, this I, I text you or message you that yeah
0: Because uh, Stallone's original Guardians, that's who those are at the end. Yeah. You had to Google it to find out. (laughs) All their best stories are time travel stories. Yeah. So I think I would predict time travel being an element in the next movie. Yeah. Uh, Having to take Gamora to the 80s and showing off the 80s to her, (laughs) come on, that'd be great. I don't know what Cheers is. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think there's something to be had there. But that's
1: neither here nor there. You're You're totally right. right. Not to, like, keep... Heading on to Guardians, but yeah, watching again, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I enjoyed it way more the second time. Yes, but the one thing I really hate about all these all these stories about dudes in general yeah. is like the dead mom trope is used as such a device to devi- to elevate these male characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's such a powerful presence. The mom um, is such a powerful presence in all the mixtapes and throughout the, both the films. I think it'd be great just to give her, like. Like you said, a, a nice send-off. Give her character something to do. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: also, I think there's a chance with time travel possibly being potentially used as the time gem in Infinity War. Ooh. So that maybe that's where Star-Lord could say um, hi to his mom. Yeah. I also think, <laughs> I also think, if you remember in Winter Soldier, uh, Peggy has Alzheimer's. She has dementia. She's yes. forgotten things. She mm-hmm. doesn't know what happened. So though it hasn't happened to Steve yet, do you think there's a possibility that he and her did have that dance? Ooh. With the time gem yeah. and time travel a possibility, she could have those memories. Yeah. Because Steve hasn't happened. It hasn't happened to him yet. Yeah. He could travel back in time and be with Peggy. Oh, man. Just a thought. I don't,
1: I don't know about Just a thought. time travel, man. <laughs> well, well, time travel yeah. is a
0: very risky, <laughs> risky road to travel. Yeah. But I, I, James Gunn, Kevin Feige, the mm-hmm. gang, I, I think I can trust them to potentially pull it off. I'm not asking for it. Yeah.
1: But I'm saying there's a possibility there. As long as they do it in a way yeah. that doesn't undercut everything that happened. Of course, yeah. This point.
0: It, yeah. If only for just like that dance moment in, a, in Age of Ultron yeah. when Steve got to dance with Peggy in the vision <laughs> that, that Scarlet Witch gave him. Yes. Right? That wasn't time travel per se, but it was it was this moment of let's go here mm-hmm. and and give Steve that odd moment. So. Yeah. But we are way off topic here. I just want to wrap up Wonder Woman by saying that the the 2009 movie, I don't think it's necessarily worth watching. Unless you really want to see some cool kick-ass fight sequences. I do think that third act is stronger than the 2017 one, but that's it. Uh, go watch the Justice League Unlimited series. Yeah. That is that is the superior version of the animated stuff. In fact, everything post that is not great. No, and In not fact, at all. verging on bad and yeah. terrible and getting worse each one. Gods and Monsters... From two years ago, is the Snyder verse in animated form? No. Yeah. The go back and you can listen to our review for *The Killing Joke*. Yeah, terrible. Ooh. I don't think Disney. Uh, sorry, DC animation is what it was. No. many many years ago. Yeah. that that heyday is over with. So sad. So, with that being said, uh, let's take a quick break here and let's come back and talk about uh, a different period piece, <laughs> a different action adventure film. Uh, if you have any comments about Wonder Woman, feel free to leave them below if you're listening to this on Facebook or if you want to tweet at me at TC's Big Head or Ben for any of his comments at Benji Toes. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram uh, or, like I said, comments on the Facebook page uh, where you might be watching this So, or listening to this. With that said, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
1: Welcome back. Hello, I'm listeners. <laughs> I'm back, too. TC's back, too. We're both back. The boys are back, and we're ready to re-review mm-hmm. a sentimental classic. Very sentimental for Mr. TC over here. It's true. For I, various I, reasons. This
0: was, this was the movie I first kissed Candace. We were watching uh. this. I guess not watching. We were looking into each other's eyes. Yeah. I think she would say it was Raiders, but I am I am... Almost positive it was the scene where Sean Connery and yeah. and India uh, and Harrison Ford on the on the uh, the motorcycle in there yeah. at the, the crossroads. I
1: think it's just something so yeah. romantic about <laughs> punching Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, we, we, the, the seminal classic, the seminal classic, 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Harrison Ford, Sean Connery. And a bunch of Nazis.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> when was yeah. the last time you saw this, oh, man! Well, I think it would have been... No, I've watched it again since. Um, there was a spell a couple of years ago that I just... Put on the three Indiana Jones movie. I was working on a script that I wanted to have a light action-adventure feel to it, so yeah. obviously put in movies that will inspire you to, to write in that direction. Yes. So probably uh, two, three years ago.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so fairly recently. Fairly so you recently, yep. you'll be able to recall this. I recall then. lots of things. But <laughs> I am a, a fountain of trivia. <laughs> He's got a great memory. Well, I don't think I've seen this since since I was a kid. Wow. So I saw this with my dad. I've seen it multiple times as a kid, but... I haven't seen it since, at least in the DVD era. Mm-hmm. Um, we own this on VHS, the whole trilogy, and my dad loves Indiana Jones. But yeah. Last Crusade was his favorite. Yeah. I think it was because of the the fatherly aspect, but also Sean Connery, because that was his favorite Bond as well. Yeah, yeah. And how great is it? Well, I guess we'll just jump in the review. How great was Sean Connery? <laughs> like Rewatching it this time, I, I remember loving everything about this movie, but I think – it doesn't really start like the cold open with River Phoenix, mm-hmm. freaking awesome. We'll get we'll jump right back into that, but I don't think the movie truly starts until Sean Connery shows up, and I don't know how much you can recall to be able to. Oh, remember certainly, that. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah,
0: He he is the end of the first act when yeah. uh, you get to the the tapestries. I'm here for the tapestries, <laughs> <laughs> which is
1: shockingly not till 45 minutes into the film. That's amazing, and the film's only two hours. Oh, wow. He's on I screen didn't. for an hour and 15 minutes.
0: Holy cow. Didn't yeah. I did not realize that this is not – it was a standard blockbuster 240, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Christopher Nolan. You, <laughs> you jerk. You <laughs> jerk. You've changed cinema. He's, he's
2: changed things.
0: Uh, no, that's amazing. I didn't realize Sean Connery didn't show up until that moment, or that deep into the film. Yeah. But.
1: There's so much setting up in the first act and so much exposition that – you felt like you were on an archaeological scavenger yourself, <laughs> which was not which was not as fun as how I'm describing it. <laughs> you know this yeah. this movie
0: and having you just rewatched it, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But this is the movie that National Treasure and Da Vinci Code think they are. Yeah. Not, not Raiders of the Lost Ark because Raiders of the Lost Ark is a very straightforward film. Very
1: contained. Uh, yeah. T-
0: Temple of Doom is a very straightforward film. Yeah. Last Crusade is the clue-chasing, world-hopping, map-driving yeah. <laughs> <laughs> adventure movie yeah. that Da Vinci Code and National Treasure and Sahara and, and all those those wannabe yeah. um, Indiana Jones movies mm. think they are.
1: They aspire to be yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is definitely, I feel as though, the pinnacle of globe-trotting action-adventure film. Um, <laughs> it's got everything that we were just talking about in Wonder Woman. That I've, It just inspired me so much just watching as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, Especially thematically. It's just so shamelessly melodramatic Mm -hmm. and schmaltzy (laughs) and romantic about that era of filmmaking. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas love serialized adventures of the 1940s and 50s and whatnot. Um, They grew up on Zora and Robin Hood and uh, that early era of Batman and whatnot on the radio.
0: Spielberg wanted to do a James Bond movie. That's what led to the creation of Indiana Jones. (laughs) Yes,
1: and – and I, I think this is on purpose, but there are a lot of reoccurring Bond actors in the film, like uh, the main female baddie, um, mm-hmm. Elsa, uh, Elsa, Elsa Schneider, mm-hmm. um, Allison Dottie, and she's the first. She's the youngest Bond girl ever, actually in history. She was eighteen when she was in um, view, t- view for a Kill, uh, View to a Kill, view, view to a Kill. Oh my gosh! Uh, the, okay, nice. Eighteen. That's 18, crazy. Man. And that was, I think. <laughs> Two years before the making of this, so she mm-hmm. was twenty. Wow! And I think Harrison was like forty something. So it was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's a it's a standard now that it's the a, old guys hook up with <laughs> the pretty young girls. I mean, Ben Affleck gets <laughs> to hook up with Anna Kendrick. It's just a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just accepted. But um, uh, and yeah, then, uh, yeah. Okay. So, are there any other overlaps from? indian indian jones
1: to bond actor wise aside from obviously yeah. sir sean connery <laughs> um like very small actor roles like that's probably the biggest one just the bond girl mm-hmm. um but there was a couple of actors um the, the nazi yeah and uh some other guy cool. some other yeah two other guys in the james bond universe but that those are like a cool little nod mm-hmm. that's series. but um the river phoenix cold open yeah that's a movie in and of itself i want to see that movie
0: well, you did have the Young and Nian Jones television series you could watch if you want to suffer Was that, that any
1: good? I heard that was bad. You know what, man?
0: <laughs> there was a time I would have said, I love that show. <laughs> I remember
1: it so fondly. When
0: Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was going to come out. <clears throat> oh, Sorry. that doesn't when exist. Came, doesn't when, exist. When Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was going to come out. <clears throat> Sorry. i got to get through this. Um, they re- finally released the Young and Nian Jones Chronicles on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah. For the time, I was like the only one who could remember the damn show, and mm-hmm. all my friends were like that eh, didn't exist. So I got it, popped in episode one, ready to watch it. Uh, written and directed by George Lucas.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is bad. It's the beginning of the end. Oh, the child actors that kick it off. Oh, it's <laughs> so bad. It's, it's like it's like. It's bad. <laughs> now, granted, when you get to the Sean uh, Patrick Flannery years, where he plays the young Indiana Jones in the in World War One, yeah. and you get to the adults, more adult those are actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, they're acted well, they're directed well, they're they're written pretty good. Um, but the kid stuff is shit. <laughs> <laughs> so go and just skip that stuff and get to. And here is the thing: if that's canon, if that show is canon. You cannot kill Indiana Jones. Don't make it canon. If it's canon, he's 100 years old in the first episode.
1: Don't ruin Harrison Ford's revenge tour. (laughs) (laughs) He's off to kill off all his characters. He's killing Han Solo. (laughs) He's
0: killing Rick Decker. Decker. He's killing (laughs) Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ruin this for me. (laughs) If that's canon, he lives to be 100 years old. Because the old guy... That starts the movie, the television series off. Yeah. Let
2: me tell you a story when I was a little kid. He's this
0: 100-year-old man. He's got an eye patch. Yeah. He's this frail old thing and it's Indiana Jones telling the story of
1: Indiana Jones. Man, I just feel like that's so not Indiana Jones. <laughs> he, would, he would be off on his own somewhere, you know, not talking to kids. <laughs> it's, he's in a
0: museum this is where the whole movie
1: starts. It belongs in a museum.
0: <laughs> I belong in a museum. <laughs> Let's get back to the, uh, Last Crusade here because is this – the completion is this one of the greatest
1: trilogies of all time? Yes, this, I, st- I still see it as a trilogy. TC, I don't. Oh, certainly. the yeah. Nuke the fridge stuff that doesn't exist to me. <laughs> like I this, don't know this know is what you're perf- talking about is perfect. And the only reason, and I love this, just reading Trevia about this film. The only reason S- Steven came back was to atone for Temple of Doom because he didn't like Temple of Doom, which is a shame yeah. because
0: Temple of Doom is very good.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I, it's I, great. You can watch my one minute
0: rewatch if you want to go to YouTube and find yeah. it. And it's a lot of people's favorites of the films, yeah. and I don't think Spielberg's given it enough credit because he was going through a tough time. Lucas stuff. was going through a divorce at the yeah. time. It was a dark period for them. It was a weird era, and it came out in their <laughs> filmmaking. It's like we were just we were just talking off Mike about like yeah. Michael Bay as a filmmaker and how you can see him in his films, yeah. and he obviously cares. That and the, and uh, you can see Zack Snyder in his films. There's, the the director gets a lot of credit and faults, Sometimes when it's not, they don't deserve it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of workhorse, traditional filmmakers who really play a part in the vision of a film, which is what a true director should be, yeah, comes across in their films. And Spielberg's films, you can follow his life story through the thema- themes of his movies and the tone of his films. Yes. So he came back to the last Last Crusade
1: to return to the fun of Raiders. Yes. And make up for Temple of Doom. Huh? Mm. Okay. And. And not just that. I think it really, just like you said, it showed through the craft all his personal themes. I felt as though all the trials and tribulations that he went through and during that era of making a t- Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. um, he learned a lot, and it showed through Last Crusade because I think it's a superior film. And you know, we we like to joke that Steven Spielberg, all his movies have some. Daddy. Common theme thread of daddy issues, yeah.
0: <laughs> which is true. Uh, there, you'd be hard pressed to find one that doesn't have that some doesn't, sort. Of, maybe but, terminal. I don't think he has it in terminal. <laughs> <laughs> Munich, <laughs> but no, there is daddy issues in Munich because oh yeah, he's you're a right, father. You're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in this one, it's it's optimistic. Mm-hmm. There's something. It's there's brevity to the daddy issues in this one because there's like there's a it, it's brought up like <clears throat> after. Uh, after uh, Indy and Henry Senior hijack the Zeppelin for the mm-hmm. Nazis, and they have like a quiet moment together. Um, I mean, some of these scenes could have done with a lot more. <sighs> emotionality mm-hmm. i felt as though it, it kind of fell flat and they kind of just brushed aside because it was a fun pulpy eventually. right you gotta you gotta think you know.
0: tone it's like talking about wonder woman earlier exactly it, you would
1: affect the overall tone of the film yeah. if you started digging too deep exactly uh, but however there is there the, it is there the, there was a quiet moment there's a stop stoppage to all the events and you know uh, in henry junior and senior are sitting across from each other having coffee or no scotch actually mm-hmm. and they're like you know dad indy's like you know dad the last time I sat down and had a drink with you was a milkshake, <laughs> and that was kind of nice, even though we didn't talk. Why didn't we talk? And it was like that was it. But I didn't. You don't see any of that in like Raiders or Temple Doom, which are like really great seminal films and mm-hmm. fun, and they're a ride through and through. But this is like one of the. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't remember Raiders and Temple t- too much. But kind of the first time you see a little bit of humanity from Indy, who's just not like a like a tank just mowing down a bunch of nazis you know i'll disagree
0: Uh, that that the sensitivity of indiana jones talking about steve trevor being this much fuller character than what he is at the surface from raiders there's there is some nuance in his history and and the heart he has and what he what he cares about and what he's willing to sacrifice the the relationship he has with marion um, when when she lets him have it she's like i was a little girl Right, she she lets him have it for seducing and disappearing. You know, he's just he playing the world uh, exploring ladies man yeah. affected her, and he is redeemed for that by the end of the movie. Yeah. That he he won't just shoot his rocket launcher at the ark to destroy it because it's as much about the ark as it is about Marion. Yeah. And and in Temple of Doom, there is a very. Uh, Clear father son, you know. Come to think of it, there is no father son in Raiders. Now that I think about it, <laughs> but anyway, um, that's actually quick side note. That's because it was removed because Abner Ravenwood, Marion's father, was a character in the original script, and he yeah. was he was removed. In Temple of Doom, Short Round and Indy are the father and son duo, and the final uh, Short Round saves Indy in the end by saying, "I love you." Hmm. Like that, he 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 says he speak reaches out to him and says, "I love you." you know, I love yeah. you, Indy. Yeah. Well, not not yelling it. He yeah. says it quietly, yeah. and that don't do this. I love you. Yeah, and that and Indy sees is is reached through that that father son relationship, and uh, so there there is certainly a humanity in his character every step of the way. However, the culmination of a lot of those ideas comes in. Last Crusade. Yeah. And and the 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 real story of, of Last Crusade, and as you have watched it, you can support or deny this claim. Is the, the MacGuffin of Finding the Grail is fine, but it really is reconnecting with his father. That cold open, Indy goes through his little adventure to get that cross because he thinks that's what his father wants. Yes. And his father throws him under the bus. Yes. And then the whole Rest of the uh, of the first act to get to um, senior, yeah, and then the two of them fighting each other every step of the way until they accept one another, and he calls him Indy, yeah, in the end and saves him. Yes, the whole the real journey here is the relationship between Indy and and Henry.
1: Yes, it's it's a redemption story for the both of them. Mm -hmm. For, Sean, or for Henry Sr. being an absentee father, mm. being so obsessed with his work that he's totally neglecting his son, who's trying so hard to impress him. Subtext, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also for Indy, you know, th- they purposefully, because ch- there was a m- many drafts and many different storylines that we're trying to go to for the finale of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. The first one being most egregious is... Uh, they're in like an ancient African native country, Okay. and all the Africans are cannibalistic, and it was another immortality story. But as like, they are, of course, as they are. But like, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That, that's kind of like the weird thing that turned me off from the first two films was the casual racism, mm-hmm. and more overt in Temple of Doom. But but in this yeah. one, <laughs> but but in this one, there's none of that. So I think that's that shows growth and maturity from Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And I know they did it on purpose because the first draft that he was handed was that cannibalistic African tribal Mm -hmm. story. And he said no to it because it was very overtly racist, obviously. But, (laughs) like, I I think that shows a lot of growth. And the the symbolism of the search for uh, the Holy Grail or whatever, I think it's a really nice juxtaposition and parallel story about the search for... um, Acceptance within each other mm-hmm. between Henry Sr. and Henry Jr. And, you know, even though there's not a lot of quiet moments that you kind of expect in these, in the modern day blockbuster era, mm-hmm. they all kind of connect together. It's, just, it's The movie flies by so fast. Once Sean Connery shows up, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> But if you keep, if you think about it, every dialogue was like, that was exchanged, every, like, every word, like, one word could say, like, could convey so many years in their history mm-hmm. together between father and son. And so, um, it was just, it was beautiful to, wa- to uh, watch unfold. I was really moved between uh, two particular scenes because while of the River Phoenix sequence, so much. Yeah. It's like, Indy inadvertently found himself, I wouldn't say father figure because they didn't give off the subtext of it, mm-hmm. but. Um, funny enough, you mentioned Abner Ravenwood. Mm-hmm. Did you know the guy that gave him the gave him the hat was uncredited as Abner Ravenwood? What? No way! Yeah,
0: I did not know that. That's insane! Yep. Holy cow! That changes everything. Yep, that's that, that is turns unbelievable. That that, mean, that
1: criminal? Yeah, that he. Holy shit! Yes, <laughs> you just blew my mind, man. Yeah, that, just reading that just gave it another layer. I don't know if I'm projecting, but it gave it another layer of. Searching for that father figure wow. because um, I, I mean I don't know too much <laughs> I don't know too much about indie history but reading up on it he is obviously an important figure in his life he was a father figure and a mentor mm-hmm. and he saw something at least in that sequence he saw something in young indie where he reminded of himself of himself yeah and get, took it upon himself to mentor this kid to become who he is today mm-hmm. or in the fictional universe but the the one scene that really got me was like his dad rats him out. Mm-hmm. Authorities take the cross and give it to the guy in the white suit. Yeah, they all laugh and then walk away, and then Abner stays back, and you know, kind of consoles Indy as he's just defeated mm-hmm. and deflated. Takes off his hat, looks at him. Hey, kid, you lost today, but that doesn't mean you gotta like it. <laughs> Puts his hat on him on, over his face. Mm-hmm. Match cut, hard cut, yeah. And then it's old Indy I'm on the, the boat. boat smiling. <laughs> it's like and he's punched <laughs> it says so much that's like 20 years within just a cut in between two scenes it's the
0: mastercraft of Steven Spielberg
1: oh, just the, oh, just thinking about it just the context of that scene just saying like here's this kid he's trying to impress his dad he so much wants this male figure mm-hmm. a male figure approval here he is just this random guy that he was fighting on a train with <laughs> <laughs> and he got it he got it through him yeah. And that's, that's beautiful that is incredible I yeah. I
0: I'm 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 baffled right now because yeah. I, I'm and I'm going to totally rewatch it tonight now, <laughs> uh, just to uh, that's a whole new appreciation I've never had for this film. Yeah. See, Spielberg is this this master class of mm. cinema. He is arguably the greatest director of all time. Yes, and and everyone else is secondary. Mm. Hitchcock before him, and he just took what Hitchcock did and improved upon it. And yeah. he is the the. The epitome of of cinema, of blockbusters, of adventure movies, of of, yeah. of storytelling—that's a—we <clears throat> we will not see the like ever again. Yeah. I just don't think um, aesthetically people want that sort of filmmaking anymore, no. as proven by the unfortunate failings of a lot of what Spielberg has done in recent years. Yeah. He hasn't had his true Spielberg. He, the BFG was a bomb. Yes, it's a Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. Based on a classic book by Raul Dowell. and uh, my hope is that Ready Player One gives us true Spielberg. Mm. I don't know. What's the last great one? Minority Report, Munich, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, those those are a decade ago. Yeah, all all good. But yeah, it's a this this movie. Oh gosh, it's it's a very it's very clear how much they love loved making those movies. Yeah, and just how piss poor that fourth one is now
1: you gotta make another one to atone for the fourth one <laughs> <laughs> and, and you
0: can't kill Indy I don't care if it's his,
1: if it's, if it's his uh, killing tour <laughs> <This one's off. laughs> I, and oh also I almost forgot but the other scene that really moved me because I think like I preface there's not a whole lot of slow scenes to kind of just slow down and appreciate the emotionality between these two characters and mm-hmm. the journey but it says a lot in just like looks glances or a few words Mm-hmm. And the, you kind of preface it at the moment that, okay, so Indy, the, so the sequence is Indy or Elsa tries to take uh, Jesus' cup or the Carpenter's cup or mm-hmm. whatever, the Holy Grail, crosses the seal even though the knight says, don't cross the seal because yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll blow this place to smithereens. <laughs> she does anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Like the whole place cracks in half. She falls through uh, the crack. She's hanging, like Indy slides to save her. Mm-hmm. They're hanging on for dear life by, like, fingers, literally fingers, and she tries to grab the cup again. She's like, no, I can still reach it. And then she falls through <laughs> her doom. We're like, oh, ah, yeah. super ADCGI. Yeah. And then <clears throat> then Andy, or Indy, falls through, but then Henry Sr. grabs him. But then Indy gets closer. He's like, no, Dad, if I just like, reach, reach a little, a little further. further. She's, and then he says, Indiana, Indiana, let it go. Yeah, Let it go. And I don't know why. Maybe because I've been witnessing the trajectory of their journey together. Mm-hmm. I just felt so moved. But I think it was really indicative of their relationship. Just like maybe they both are internalizing and harboring a lot of guilt, regret, anger. Indy's side, not having a father figure. <clears throat> Henry's side, maybe I should have been that father figure. Yeah. And from then on, just have, having them get beat up, shot up, and almost killed on many instances... To be like, maybe it's great that we experienced this together because now we can have a fresh start. Yeah. Or a
0: new start. And right off into the sunset together to start the new chapters of their lives. Yes.
1: And I don't know if I'm reading this too much because I think it's a great payoff to the line where he says, hey, kid, you know, just – You you lost You lost, but you can – you don't have to be happy about it. Yeah. Because so, he,
0: he loses the grail, and, but he can be happy about it. Is yes, that what exactly. you're
1: saying? Yeah. It's, it's that, but it's also just the theme of resilience, mm-hmm. human resilience. And, like, I don't know, just touching, just touching it for me personally, I guess, because, I don't know, it, this year's been so weird for me. Mm-hmm. Just having those words is just so encouraging. You know what I mean? Like... It's shitty today. <laughs> we never know what's gonna happen tomorrow. You yeah. just gotta wake up and fight again, or just keep fighting. And I just like it's so simple, it's so schmaltzy and romantic, mm-hmm. but it really got to me. It just hit me. You know? you're,
0: you're not wrong to be moved by yeah. by something like that. And and it's it's the nuances of the performances and the subtext of the filmmaker yeah. and the subtext of the characters throughout the and the themes and and everything that character. Those characters have gone through. It's it's something that I feel James Gunn has succeeded at with Peter Quill in the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies of playing in the same arena that Spielberg played in with Indiana, yes, particularly in Last Crusade if I'm remembering correctly. To to dealing with uh, the the effects of time, decades away, uh, departed from. Uh, a, a loved one yeah. um, uh, how that affected him as a person and, and how that can affect him coming to terms with that yeah. and I mean that both as Peter and Indiana um, yeah the, they're, th- that's why the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, Temple of Doom and Last Crusade are as good as they are because they aren't just blockbusters they aren't just punch them, shoot them up action movies, adventure movies That there, there is more to it that there is there is more to these stories, and, and the Henry and Indiana story is great. Yes. And portrayed by those actors, developed over the course of the 47 minutes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, it's great. That's a master class. It's a master class. This movie definitely is not perfect. Oh no no! Let's, yeah. uh,
0: let's 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 talk about some some fallacies in the movie, and, and and then it'll be a determining factor of if it's like, well, you got to forgive it for the, the type of movie it is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which is so weird because like, we're as as like apprecior- appreciators of cinema, but also looking at it through a modern context. Where, how do you decide what to let go? Because like, just being more aware, obviously, of like social issues or just meeting different people and saying, oh, wait, maybe this shouldn't be the way we portray them. Um, I thought there's only – I literally counted how many female characters there were and Mm -hmm. how many speaking Mm. female characters. There's two female characters and there's two speaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) female characters. It's It's Elsa and uh, Donovan, the villain's wife. She comes in – Because remember when um, Harrison Ford was trying to uh, duck out from his college students from grading their papers? Yeah. He gets uh, escorted by a bunch of goons to this rich guy's house to show him the grail. Mm -hmm. Or the the, the tablet. The the tablet. Yeah. Yeah. He's like in a nice tux. You Mm -hmm. don't know why he's in a nice tux. And then the wife comes in in a nice dress. And there's a party in the back after she opens the door. She's Mm -hmm. like, Donovan, don't let your your guests wait for you. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's (laughs) it.
0: And then Elsa's the only other female in the movie.
1: Yeah. And she's like, this is like my, this is such a pet peeve of mine when portraying female characters, is Mm -hmm. giving them a title, like an important title, scientist, archaeologist, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's making them seem important so then you don't complain, oh, they're not strong enough, they're not (laughs) well-fleshed out enough. When in the end, she's very much, she has no agency. She's not necessarily damsel in distress, Mm -hmm. but she has, there's no point for her to be there. And if she wasn't there, the movie would have been fine anyway. And yet, yet when they're, when she is there, there's just this really egregious sequence between her and Indy when they're in the the catacombs yes. underneath the library. <clears throat> the entire time she's just squeamish. And, oh, oh my god, rats! rats. Uh, very reminiscent of uh, um, what's her name? Willie. Willie. Willie's yeah. the worst though. <laughs> 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 I can forgive that. She was married to Spielberg. That's yes. how she got them. <laughs> Nepotism, but um, but they're they're trying to play her off like this cool like is she the sly femme fatale is she mm-hmm. not but you know in the end he was just mansplaining stuff the entire time he was like this this is what i really don't like but like men in the 80s or era like tough guys or whatever they're always grabbing women mm. without yeah con, without consent or whatever it, it's not sexual or anything but it's like forceful you know like grabbing mm-hmm. by the arm like come here and like no come this way blah blah, blah. he literally picks her up throws her on his shoulder at one point walking oh, through wow. those catacombs yeah. and just without saying it just like come here like like an ape like a freaking caveman like a freaking neanderthal it was so weird to watch through, yeah. through a modern context i don't know if it's just the way i'm conditioned but just watching it just made me feel really uncomfortable <laughs> you know it's just it's small stuff like that like the casual actually it's the worst it's the sm- the small stuff is the worst because it's normalized mm-hmm. like the casual sexism throughout all three movies are kind of it's very weird to watch. That's that's the only thing. That's the only knock when I come back and watch the indie movies. Yeah, they, like, they are. I wish that wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there certainly is a a old mentality of male wish fulfillments. Yeah, in uh, in those movies. Uh, oh, and he
1: force he forces himself on her in one scene. Oh,
2: geez. yeah. Just, I mean, it's <laughs> not, it,
0: it, and that goes that lends to Bond, which Bond is super rapey over the course of his entire history of filmmaking that's it's
1: even today it oh, <laughs>
0: specter he, he <laughs> raped her he yeah. raped her that's a rape yeah <laughs> um that's why vesper is such a great <laughs> why she's the best bond girl yeah bond woman yeah um that's neither here nor there <laughs> uh the yeah there is there is that element of it that in a modern through a modern lens can you can't forgive stuff like that yeah uh, the the most i could say is well, at least it's not as bad as dot dot dot. Double doom. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just mean in the sexism, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. Indiana Jones has never crossed the line that Bond has crossed. Mm-hmm. There's never crossed the lines as a lot of the eighties, seventies, sixties. Like if you go back to oh, oh, the older you, the further you go back, the more sexist it is. Yeah, it's still sexist, and, and that's not the. It's a backhanded compliment to say it's not as bad as,
1: but <laughs> it could be worse. Ben, blank <laughs> devil's advocate as usual. Was there anything that you remember not liking from the film? Mm,
0: no, I. It's it's hard to pick because because I hadn't rewatched it in in, in just a couple years. Uh, there's never any moment that really jumps out at me that I dislike. Yeah, I think I the whole movie. Is fine. There are there are certain things that, uh, upon multiple viewings, there's choices that I I my, uh, but it's because how many times it's been done since like, Indy falling off the cliff with the tank, is he really dead? Come on, yeah, he's not really dead. <laughs> You're not gonna kill the main character, later. yeah. And granted, I don't know how often that had been done before, mm-hmm. but that is done all the time yeah. now. It's it's just as bad as the the plane.
2: <laughs> right, like,
0: come on, we we know you didn't crash. Yeah. Don't hold it for suspense. I'm not <laughs> holding my breath. All right. Yeah. So there there is that that. But however, that scene is played very well because of how he comes back on. Just that, like crawling up and like looking down and going like. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a steep drop. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then Henry hugs him, and that's a that yeah. the payoff of that gag, yeah. is so much better yeah. Yeah. than how it's done in a lot of things now
1: because right. Harrison plays a, that scene really well it's very small but yeah. he's, he's, he's like, surprised surprised my dad's like, hugging me yeah yeah. It's what is this feeling, that, feeling. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. I'm not
0: criticizing that moment as it exists in Temple in in, in Last Crusade yeah. I'm criticizing it for it being done all the time yeah now the, the trope that yeah, don't oh. fake me out I'm not yeah. faked out <laughs> I, I know Superman's not dead shut up <laughs> <laughs> I I'll just say, take that obligatory dig at Bannon, if you Yeah, no, <laughs> Every chance I get. Every chance you get. He's <laughs> <laughs> still salty, folks, <laughs> if
1: you're wondering. But um, What about you? May, may, I've, I've just been saying this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Ow. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of bias to this, but I think this might be the funniest, too. There's some – Oh, yeah. And it's mostly visual gags. It's not like one-liners, this and that. There's a lot of zippy-quippy stuff, but God, the, the spinning <laughs> – uh, the uh, when they're in the fireplace mm-hmm. and it, everything's on fire uh, around the house and he's trying to un, un, uh, escape from the yep. the tightrope and mm-hmm. whatnot and he hits like one of the, the levers and it turns <laughs> around to, uh, the lever. Yeah. <laughs> the Nazi like HQ or whatever the the stamp in the library yeah the stamp in the Boom. library <laughs> uh, the uh, sh-
0: the gun the the uh, the tail gun did we get hit more or less more or less <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's this uh, there's no this, ticket. No, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, 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 my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great." This this isn't really a visual gag, but it's like it's all in editing. It's a stark edit, but like, mm-hmm. so uh, the 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 Nazi bad guy delivers his monologue, and he's basically, ha, 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 "Indiana Jones, how are you going to escape from this one?" Now, yeah. <laughs> and it's him and Henry Senior like tied back to back, and it's, it's a slow push on India as he's doing his like heroic monologue. He's like, we don't need to escape this. And you're not going to find that journal because I gave it to Brody. And he's already <laughs> got two days ahead and he knows ten different languages and he knows all the world customs. So he's going to blend in and disappear. And I bet my money that he's already got to the Holy Grail. <laughs> Smash cut. It's Brody in a white suit in like a Tuscany village. Hello? Hello? Anyone Hello? speak English? <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who criticizes that moment. Oh, right. great, though. <laughs> well, here's the
0: thing. It's a, it's a retcon because yeah. in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Brody is a very competent, very capable, oh, yeah. it, so much so that he even comments, if I were still a little bit younger, I'd go mm. with you again. Like oh, Brody used right. to go on adventures with Indy, mm. and so retconning him to make him an idiot. <laughs> he got lost <laughs> in his own museum. Minor complaint <laughs> because that joke... Is great. Yeah, it's a great. That's dude, a great show. Right? That's a great. That's a great cake. I love. Uh, he was mumbly and bumbly, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sala getting the camels instead of the horses, right? It's for my brother-in-law's car. It's <laughs> <laughs> to pay him back. Yeah, it's, it is the funniest of of the of the films. Yeah. Although they, uh, there's always been a great sense of humor in all in all of them, more so in uh, Temple not, Temple Doom has the least amount of yeah. humor to it. It's definitely it's, the darkest. It's the darkest. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's still some good. Uh,
1: gags in in all three of
0: them a lot of payoff oh yeah
1: like it's not just it's not just there just to be there um i thought the one where sol and brody were running away from the the goons, Mm -hmm. and then Saul leads brody into the the semi truck that looked like a house (laughs) 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 oh my god i don't know just stuff like that it's just something to be said about practical i know we say it all the time Mm -hmm. but there's just a lost art in that you know like I know they've done an incredible job blending CG, as we can see with the upcoming War of the Planet of the Apes now. It's just oh, – yeah. it, there's an uncanny Beautiful. valley now. Mm-hmm. But we still – We've crossed the valley. We've crossed <laughs> it, yeah. and we're but, never coming back. But, but there's, there's still – Lack of texture. I think that's the only way for me to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's When I see it, it's almost like I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, even even not just that. They use a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of sequences, like chase scenes and whatnot, behind matte paintings. Mm-hmm. Blue screen stuff, and you know it looks like old Gregory Peck, Audrey <laughs> Hepburn movies. But there's something about that. Maybe it's because it is a pulpy action serial thriller that is a throwback to those 1930s, 40s pulpy thrillers. That having that and the matte backgrounds, there's was just char- like there's yeah. there's a there's a definite charm. <coughs> we, we we tout it
0: again and again on this yeah. podcast. The 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 fact that practical holds up yeah. longer much longer than than cg absolutely although the actually the practical mix with cg of jurassic park still holds up to this day over 15 years later the ultimate yeah and it's that's incredible how 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 can they (laughs) how do dinosaurs look faker now in jurassic world (laughs) than they did in jurassic park how is that possible
1: it's which one has the bigger budget
0: jurassic world For sure,
1: that is insane. I know, that right? Is insane.
0: I, I don't understand. Did I, they
1: use any practical in Jurassic World? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sure. There, there was lots of uh, lots of sets, lots of locations. Yeah. Um, the the, little, the petting zoo dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were practical. The the, <laughs> the dead. Um, one of the dinosaurs is dead. That they they uh, see yeah. the, the killing field. I remember now. That movie still shit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs>
1: what there's? Oh, speaking of practical, before I lose my train of yes, thoughts, please. but. Um, the transformation when Donovan drinks uh, to showcase his greed. He chose. He chose, chose wrong. But that was so good. The mixture of puppetry, mm-hmm. stop motion animation, and CG blended mm-hmm. so well together. And did you know, so there's a shot um, over the shoulder looking at Elsa mm-hmm. and her horrified face. Yes. As, as Donovan's transforming. It's just the back of his head. Right. I know the shot. Yep. His, it's like a... His hair is falling out, mm-hmm. and then it's sprouting white hairs. Yeah. The sprouting of the white hair is practical. <laughs> what? The How? head is mechanical. How? So it's, it's literally, amazing. like, pushing hair out of this like mechanical a, like head. Like like Play-Doh. Yes, like <laughs> that. And when I read that, I was like, holy crap, because that looks like stop motion. Yeah. when I read that, I was like, this is incredible. This, is, a, this is cinema. That's this amazing. This is cinema. It's that's art. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just, just tidbits like that give me, like, goosebumps. It inspires me. So Man. Gotta have just a really good props and art department <laughs> and 50 million dollars <laughs> at, <the>, at least <laughs> well, that's incredible that that was practical mm-hmm. it's yeah.
0: it, the indiana jones as as it exists can not can never exist again i just i just don't <laughs> that's feel so like sad. that <laughs> but it's, it's true it's it was a product of its time it's a product of the time it's set in yeah. it's a product of those filmmakers those actors all that all that light lightning captured in in the bottle over the course of those three films, is perfect or not? It's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's so good that all you can do is try to mimic it. Yeah, and the best homages to it are are, are good in addition to being homages. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is an homage. That whole introduction to Peter is a Raiders of the Lost Ark homage. Yeah, and it it works brilliantly. Mm. Because it's not an out and outright tr- attempt to recreate it like National Treasure, like The Da Vinci Code, to to try to recreate th- the Raiders' uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, but you you can't. Proven by the fact that that team got back together and made a terrible movie in <laughs> the, Indiana Jones 4. The same people couldn't even recreate it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I said that in a, to reference my one-minute rewatch again. That's how, why Ghostbusters is so special. Yeah. Even the exact same team couldn't make a, a second one. Yeah. It's it's often why comedies can't have good sequels because you did it all in the first go. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do it again. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, um I don't want to keep naming Spielberg movies. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, so the some of the original James Bond stuff. Like mm-hmm. once you've done it, it's been done. Yeah. And to try to emulate it again is a fallacy. You're going to fail. Yeah. You all you can do is hope to achieve it in homage and reference mm-hmm. and finding out what what the. Particular mathematical equation for yeah. A B C uh, letters numbers. I'm mixing that F- <laughs> figuring out figuring out what makes something work. I mean this this lends to cinema in general. The yeah. Dark Knight didn't succeed because it was a dark movie, that's not, <laughs> and we, we the Deadpool didn't succeed because it was rated R. That's yeah. that's one of the elements surely, but it's not. Oh, it's not as simple as that. Let's make Superman dark. It'll succeed like the Dark Knight. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. It's funny you should say that because we're always taught, whether it's through school or filmmaking, this and that, or creating art, is mm-hmm. to follow your own path and listen to your own voice and, most of all, be yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's just so easy to get caught up in that when you strike lightning in a bottle and you get all this success and all this admiration and people are throwing themselves at you and saying, you are the GOAT. You are the greatest of all time. Yeah, I think that's just what got to George and Steven. Like, not that they are fooling themselves or whatever, but like... I think it's just so hard to be yourself when you're constantly changing. And when you're constantly changing, you're this different person already. And you're trying to remake something that, say, you're – the same film that when you were in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. Yeah. It's just not going to work because you're not that person anymore. Right.
0: The Spielberg, the grandfather, can't make the Indiana Jones that he made before. I mean, hell, Spielberg, the father, is different than Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was a young man when he made Raiders of the Lost Ark. And just in that eight-year difference – his life changed yeah. and it's affect and it affected last crusade decades passed to try to go back to be to do crystal skull yeah. and that let's george lucas out of the equation here spielberg himself couldn't even go so far as to casually murder people
2: yeah
0: and and that's that is an element of indiana jones i'm not asking him to be stallone or schwarzenegger <laughs> and be a cold-blooded killer yeah but indiana jones casually kills yes he he defends himself and he kills people Mm -hmm. in a fight throw push a guy in or punch a guy into a propeller blade um (laughs) shoot the sword wheeling guy shoot the sword wheeling guy he he's he is a killer and to then have the grandfather the great grandfather that he might be a steven spielberg tried to craft indian jones in Not have that edge to him anymore completely shows through and through in Crystal Skull. You know, let's take a moment here. I just want (laughs) to, for Crystal Skull, for all its problems, and it is a problematic movie. Yeah, the diner scene with Mutt and the chase on the motorcycle—that is awesome.
1: Man, it's so I am so far removed from that film that I just don't remember anything from it. it. Yeah, like did you do a one-minute? I did not do. I didn't do a
0: one-minute rewatch on Crystal Skull, but uh, there's. Seek out that – actually, if you want to watch the, the best analysis of, of it is uh, Red Letter Media's Mr. Plinkett yeah. did Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and he talks specifically about that scene. That is Spielberg at the top of his game. Mutt and Indy talking at the greaser bar with the socias and the greases and the beer exchanging hands. There's all this non... There's all this blocking and and playing with props in the midst of the dialogue exposition leading to the fight scene, leading to the motorcycle practical car chase scene. That's Indiana Jones. Everything else in that movie is garbage.
2: (laughs) Garbage, garbage, garbage.
1: How many times have you seen that? Crystal Skull, uh, Four or five times. Better. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> what? How do you get yourself to do that? <laughs> I saw it twice in That's theaters. That's a true fan. That's saw, a true uh, fan, ladies and gentlemen. I saw it twice. In, <laughs> let's
0: see. I can remember seeing it twice in theaters. Yeah. Um. I I watched it with my nephew. Yeah. Um. And I probably four times. Yeah. And I probably watched it just a second time. Yeah. In casual viewing, in my Indiana Jones viewer viewing
1: of it a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> was there any moment where you were like in denial? Where you're like no, it can't. It can't be that bad. I'll, I'll have to watch it again.
3: No,
0: yeah, <laughs> right from right from the, the opening scene of this movie of of Crystal Skull. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be talking about Last Crusade, but, but <laughs> we're talking about Indiana Jones in Did general. You. A- everything wrong with that movie is wrong with that movie. Yeah, the, the interdu- right from the get when it started, I was like, okay, cool. We got some rock and fifties music. Uh, this cool opening credit sequence, but even right out of the gate, I was ugh. It's a digital gopher that starts this damn movie out. Of there. And I was like, oh, boy. And then it got to the, oh, yeah, I'm like, cool. And then it kills the guards. Okay, and then Indy gets pulled out of the trunk of a car. And what's going on? Okay, okay, oh, no, this is good. They're, they're doing a, a cool fight. Area 51. Oh, oh, that. Everything about that movie, I've said this before, is epitomized in a single moment yeah. in that opening chase sequence. They tear in through Area 51, and they knock over a crate, and the, and the, and the arc falls out. And they just drive past it. <laughs> they knock it over unceremoniously. It spills out of a box. It's half broken, and they just zip right past it. That's, that's everything you need to know about that movie. What about the Army of Darkness? <laughs> no, nope, that's it. It's just boom. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's this is how we feel about Raiders. Uh, about uh, this franchise yeah. is now knocked over, tipped over on its yeah. side, and driven past. That's what that movie's all about.
1: In a single shot. <laughs> In a single shot. <laughs> As I
0: always say, the the epitome of Daniel Craig's Bond is when the parkour guy jumps that
1: small window and he just plows through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, this this brings us to a great lead-in conversation mm-hmm. since Indy 5 is no, no longer speculative talk. It is it greenlit. Is, yep.
0: They have a release date in 2019. Yeah, yep.
1: and Harrison Ford is a gajillion years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we were kind of just talking about it loosely about Steven aging and him being a different filmmaker now since he has aged. Mm -hmm. I would love him to tackle this character since they're both older gentlemen now. Like, the effects of aging and the effects of letting go of something. They they tried. That's something I thought they were going to do. Yeah.
0: Because Indy says in Rayer's Lost Ark, it's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah. And that's why he's in pain. And and in Crystal Skull, it is the
1: years and the mileage. Yeah. so you'd like to see them tackle. Yeah, like there's something great about it's a very small th- thread in Last Crusade but mortality.
0: Oh, certainly. It's not a small thread, man. That's yeah. the whole point of the Holy Grail is immortality.
1: Well, like, <laughs> it's it's weird because it's an overarching thread, mm-hmm. but I thought it would have tied in more with Indiana's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, well, hey, the the cup is is the cup
0: of Jesus Christ, who's yeah. the ultimate son to the ultimate father. No, you're totally right. <laughs> there
1: there is like Macroly, macroly, it's like you can totally make sense of it and yeah. stuff like that. But like on an intimate level, how does Indy deal with death? Because he's like this invincible archaeologist who has so many, a multitude of skills. He mm-hmm. can get out of any situation better than a super agent can. Yeah, and he's just like this college professor. <laughs> but part time. But, but that being said, like part <laughs> part time <laughs> he hasn't been promoted yet. But how does he deal with death? With mm-hmm. aging? With Potentially dying. That's why maybe not kill off Indy, but like the potential of it. This well, it, make him a mere mortal. It was a
0: missed opportunity in Crystal Skull to not bring Connery back and to not have Brody come back. I don't he think was, he wanted to come back. Yeah, well, he retired yeah. after legal Extraordinarily* crap. <laughs> <laughs> Did he
1: die in Canyon Crystal School? Henry, Henry Senior.
0: He is has passed away. Okay. In Crystal Skull, they have the two photos on his on Indy's desk, and he mentions right. like,
1: "I wish your dad was still here." So, he, so that's canon. Yeah. That's Damn. Canon. So he is. He, however, didn't have not, it on screen. No, no, okay. no, no, no. no. Yeah. Hey,
0: you're, you're, you're. I, were you fan yeah. theorizing what you wish the fifth one would be? Because I can, I can help guide you into that. I,
1: I wasn't. I didn't have like a theory for like a plot thread or anything. Yeah. I just wanted okay. to come back.
0: Good, because he can There's no reason he can't. Temple of Doom is a prequel. It takes place the year before the last arc,
1: but how do you? Because they're both like significantly older than since uh, Last Crusade. Like digital digitized, no, 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 no. it only has to be set before Crystal Skull.
2: Oh, <laughs> you're right.
0: So then we can just erase. Not, not a like, race, yeah. but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Karen Allen doesn't have to come back. Mutt Williams doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> None of that has happened yet. Yeah. They've already they've already done it. There's a precedent for this, that the second movie, Temple of Doom, yeah. is set the year before. 1936, Temple yeah. of Doom. 1937, right. uh, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Crystal Skull can be chronologically the fifth movie, but just make the fourth one set before it. Or I'm sorry, okay. the fifth one set before it.
1: There you go. Yeah. Do, a, do a do a Temple of Doom. Do yeah. a Tokyo Drift. So then, yeah. so
0: then you can have. I don't think you'll get Sean Connery back. Yeah. I, he's not long for this world. I, I imagine he will be passing away this year. Hmm. Um, which which would be sad. We already lost one bond. To yeah. lose another one, but that's just that's just a fact of life. I'm not wishing it upon him. Nor am I. Um, I, I'm just. It's something that I'm prepared for because yeah. he's been so out of the limelight for so long. I, I believe there were rumors that he, he had to give up because Alzheimer's yeah. might have been setting in. So perhaps we won't be able to get Sean Connery back. But in a perfect world scenario, bring him back. Play up the themes of the original three. Forget number four or ever even happened because it hasn't happened yet.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And I think that's a great setup, even without Sean's involvement. Mm. It would be great just to be like, even in the cinematic universe of Indiana Jones, yeah. just to forget the events of Kingdom of the Crystal <laughs> well, Skull.
0: I'd even go so far as, let's play with flashbacks again, right? Let's have Indy, the de-aging technology that Disney has created yeah. is unbelievably good yes. now. Give me a young Indiana Jones failing. Give me a young Harrison Ford failing in the cold open. Okay. And the premise of the movie, trying to make up for that lost artifact, whatever the MacGuffin might be. Right, have him trying to make up one last go of of the, the artifact, whatever yeah. it is, right? And then on top of that, have a competing adventurer Ooh. who is way younger than him, Chris Pratt. Why not? <laughs> but I actually don't want Chris Pratt. Okay. I want it to be a girl because then there you can you address go. all the sexism that you, <laughs> that was lightly sprinkled throughout the original three,
1: and especially now since Elizabeth Banks brought it up um, in her speech or whatever, which is kind of egregious because you know she kind of. Erase the existence of Color Purple, which involved co- women of color. But, like, did you, did you hear about this? Uh-uh. Like, Elizabeth B- Banks just got blasted because she accepted an award and for some odd reasons car- called out Steven Spielberg for a lack of females in his films. Yeah. Which is, there's some truth to it. But it's just, like, a weird random thing that <laughs> It's like, you're going to go after the legend Yeah, well, at some we'll... random award show. <laughs> yeah, okay. I might be, like, taking it out of context and explaining it poorly, mm-hmm. but that's just how I interpreted the article that I read. So it just sounded weird and random. <laughs> <laughs> I would. But that's a good point. There's your Indiana Jones five. What about what about what about I know it's weird because she's in the Disney family. Yeah. But Daisy Ridley
0: Uh yeah. I I the for me, the jury's still out on Daisy Ridley. Okay. I think she's charming as hell. She's yeah. very cute, but not quite sold on her yet.
1: You want to see her in the, that that train movie first, uh, the, <laughs> you know, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. I want to see episode eight. Uh, right. I TBD, I, okay. but
0: I like her. I think she's yeah. great. I, I would rather see. I don't know. I, I think you could go a different direction with with casting another adventure. Yeah, you're right. I, and the the trick would be setting it as a period piece, pre so it's before Crystal Skull, so it could be uh, early '50s, right? um she can still play in that area era i think they they have to find a way to get nazis involved (laughs) because those are the best (laughs) villains
1: (laughs) did you ever hear about uh i think this was the one the indie project that was in development hill that eventually got scrapped but it was indiana james and the lost continent
0: the that script was was adapted into being Atlantis, the Lost the Lost Empire, the Disney animated film. That's right. Yep, that's right. That, that script began yeah. as Indiana Jones four. I forgot
1: about that. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And
0: go rewatch that movie. Yeah, it's Indiana Jones. Okay. Do you remember it being good? Uh, I I don't have a very strong recollection of it, one way or the other. Yeah. I will get to it because I have the other podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, that's down the road. I'm looking forward to that one for multiple reasons. Mike McNolla did all the design for the movie, so yeah. that's kind of cool. But um, Yes, there were so – it's insane. George Lucas being like, uh, I had a hard time just uh, figuring out what the MacGuffin would be. Get on Google. Go to Wikipedia. Look at the Indiana Jones Wikipedia. Yeah. There's 100 years of canon in Indiana <laughs> Jones' lives with – dozens of stories that yeah. you could have freaking drawn from instead of this whole crystal skull <laughs> bullshit it's,
1: it's crazy though that's the <sighs> one they landed on
0: <laughs> i just watched the behind the scenes of spielberg yeah. talking about like well george wanted to do this and i was like fine <laughs> we'll do it do, sh- have some backbone you're freaking <laughs> steven spielberg don't buckle the pressures of that son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> Whew, sorry, A lot of passion in this cast. Oh, a lot of passion. I don't know what happened. I blacked
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is funny how much he coddles him. huh? I mean, like, yes. obviously, I'm not in the room. I don't know them intimately. They, but like, they're best friends. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it, 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 I understand. Yeah. I understand. He's how, like, oh, George, you, I'll make you happy. <laughs>
0: you, you may be aware, this is a fun little trivia, that Spielberg makes money off Star Wars and – Lucas makes money off of Close Encounters Yeah. <laughs> they had a bet over which would make more money, yeah. and they would split each others they split each other's growth. That's so funny. So Spielberg <laughs> has been making money off of Star Wars ever since. Which way to go, George? You won. You, won. <laughs> I think you won the bet. I think you won. Someone won that bet, but yeah. uh, Close Encounters. Close Encounters. <laughs> <laughs> well, what other thoughts might you have on specifically Last Crusade? Um, uh, you you had selected it as this Father's Day connector there. There's uh, – we've, we've been off on every tangent in the world, but yeah. um, it does this movie hold up? Do you recommend this movie? What would you recommend people watch with this film?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, this movie totally holds up, and I think it's a confluence of practical and technical mastery from Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. but also it's – there's, when you do period pieces there is like what we what we've been saying over and over again about wonder one about indiana jones it's so timeless it's hard to feel dated because it is literally dated <laughs> 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 and so it it holds up in that regard in terms of narratively i think it hits me harder now than i've than ever before and i think because personally this is one of mine and my own father's favorites to watch like we watched this, the Dollars Trilogy, all the John Woo stuff together. Like, these are our movies, you know? He yeah. loved tough guys cinema. So it's it's not just yeah.
0: a nostalgia for the film itself, but it's a, there's a deep personal connection there that you connected to your father.
1: Yeah, you know? I did, outside of the film. And now, narratively, I connected to that, too, because of my own personal uh, narrative, I, I suppose. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that just made it much more sweeter. And, like, those two bookend scenes? Yeah. It's freaking beautiful. The rest could have been shit, but it's like those two <laughs> moments. Well. Like, those two moments were so great. And it it's, it doesn't just move me as, as a lover of cinema. It moves me to want to create something that will never be on this level, but to create nevertheless. And I think there's something powerful about that because I'm lacking that inspiration from a there lot is. of modern mainstream filmmaking.
0: There it is. They... These, these movies, individually and as a trilogy, are an inspiration. Yeah. Spielberg is an inspiring filmmaker. Mm-hmm. For those of you out there listening who might be filmmakers and studying film, you, you can't deny the power of Spielberg's storytelling. Yeah. And to, to look at something like Last Crusade specifically and, and learn lessons from it thematically, from the script... From the direction, from the realization of action set pieces, of the mix of humor, of performances from the actors, of like, there's just so much to, to draw from that film, and in, specifically, in, including many of, of Spielberg's library of films. Yeah. Uh, that uh, yeah, one hundred percent. The Terminal, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I should rewatch The Terminal.
1: I actually like The Terminal. I have nothing against The Terminal. It's
0: I, it's it's, cute. One of, it's one of his biopics. Because Spielberg does have a handful of movies
1: that are based on real stories. The terminal that was the, based on a true story. The terminal is a biopic. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> that is a, that is based on a true story. Yeah. I just have a sweet spot for that film because I think like a few months before that film came out. I was stuck in an airport for like 48 hours by myself, and it was traumatizing. <laughs> but to see that and be like, oh, I guess being stuck in an airport ain't that bad. It was oh. it was nice. It, it kind of curbed all of the, the PTSD <laughs> <laughs> well, I had. Well, I was stuck at
0: the Vegas airport on my last trip for almost five hours because my flight got delayed five was freaking was that airport, hours. actually, I was stuck in. <laughs> oh, man. Oy vey, the cigarette smoking, and the, sh- <laughs> the smell
1: of shame.
2: <laughs>
0: there's the, there's the, the optimism coming off the plane and the complete and utter shame going back. How was your trip? Don't talk to me. Don't talk <laughs> to me. But
1: you know what? Um, you bring up a great point about there. It's hard to argue against whether you whether or not you enjoy the melodrama or the schmaltiness of especially early Spielberg yeah, filmmaking. Spielberg, yeah. He did something that I feel no other modern filmmaker on a mainstream level did, which was create general accessibility for a wider audience to the to this forum. You know what I mean? Like, that might be an over-exaggerated claim. But, but, I just feel as though film beforehand, like you were um, alluding in our personal off-mic conversation about the elitism of it all. Mm. Of, like, the inaccessibility of the studio system and, like, how it's such, like, an exclusive club, you know? Yeah. To where you had to be um, well-trained or well-versed in this and that. But he made it okay for the everyday ga- – the normies, as you said. <laughs> the everyday person to not only relate but to contribute yeah, to cinema. Every, every day, yeah. technology
0: allows more and more accessibility to cr- crafting – creating film. Yes, And the craft of film is being developed in every avenue and every different respect. Yeah. And you're right. Spielberg was one of those – is part of an era that reintroduced filmmaking yeah. to a new – generation of filmmakers and, and yeah. the, the effects of that have gone on decades since since Jaws yes. since his since his his uh since uh, Coppola's um uh Godfather yeah. since that Scorsese coming in with the taxi driver and and, and Reggie Bull in his 70s classics Th- those guys were the forerunners for the filmmakers we are seeing now and the filmmakers we see now including Spielberg and if you go back further studying film are are pushing the new filmmakers coming up yeah. and uh, it's there is an elitism to to cinema, yeah. but there's no reason not to attempt to be part of that club or create a club of your own.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what inspires me most about Steven Spielberg. It's not so much his work because I actually personally prefer out of the film school rats. Mm-hmm. Like Scorsese is my favorite. Yeah, hope but. It. At, that's not a knock on Steven. That's just personal taste. I think Steven, his general attitude is someone I want to emulate, and it's the attitude of being inviting mm-hmm. and not being like I, – I tend to draw just in terms of a cinematic emotional scale to Scorsese because he is so introspective and I am introspective. Mm-hmm. But there is something so closed off about introspective storytelling because only those who can relate – this is a general claim, but no, no, those you're, Yeah, you're onto something here because
0: yeah. even if you just look at how Spielberg speaks about film, yeah, he's very open and very yeah. welcoming, yeah. and 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 I I feel that he would be willing to have a conversation with me. Yeah, and Scorsese is the same way, though he he is a more introspective guy, and he's a little and he can be intimidating. Yeah. Uh, the way he
1: talks, the way he talks is very <laughs> he's very intense. That's what I hear. Right. Yeah. But
0: then if you look at someone like Christopher Nolan, I would I've seen Christopher Nolan speak live and any behind-the-scenes featurettes of him. He's very he's got his he's got his hand on his chin, yeah. he's very quiet, he's very thoughtful. And that's not a knock on him as a filmmaker in terms of his product, but it is it is reflective of his work. Yeah. That he is a very internal guy. Yeah. And I feel like Spielberg is very open. He he's he's out there and he's uh, mentoring other filmmakers, yeah. Zemeckis and uh, even Brad Bird is a result of of Spielberg. Like, yeah. there's Spielberg is this
1: great. He's he's Robin Williams from Dead Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> he's the great light wizard that yeah. we all need. And like, <laughs> even if he hasn't made a hit or a quote unquote quality film for a long time, I think his just his presence in the industry and in cinema is much needed mm-hmm. because of all the cynicism that has, even before his generation, has been prevalent mm-hmm. in the industry. And I feel, I mean, God forbid, I hope he lives for another 50 years, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the day that we lose him is going to be an incredibly sad day because who's our next Spielberg, you know? like yeah. that It doesn't even touch to the contributions that he's made to cinema, and... I don't
0: think there ever will be. I don't think there there will be. There'll, there'll never be another Hitchcock, yeah. as much as people wanted to think Shyamalan was going to be. <laughs> there'll they'll never be another Hitchcock. There'll never be another John Ford, if yeah. you want to go back even further. There'll never be another Spielberg. It's They they are these one-of-a-kinds, and, the, and like homaging films, the most we can hope to do is learn from the masters yeah. and somehow find a way to apply our own voice mm. to what they've shown us. Yeah. So, and... And, uh, and, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's take a quick little break here, and actually, we'll come into our third segment, which will be news, and we'll just have general discussion. A trilogy. Ben, thank you for, for, for watching the movie and coming in with some conversation. I apologize for forgetting which movie we were supposed to
3: watch this week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: And we're back.
0: So, uh, how you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Um... (laughs) It's been good. Whenever we take breaks from each other, it's always a a gamble of like, are we going to... Hit a groove,
1: or is this going to be really clunky? <laughs> you know, it's weird, because we, we literally say that every time, but I feel as though we all better. our comeback episodes have been the best. <laughs> it's our list episodes and our comeback
0: episodes. Yeah. Those I are mean,
1: the best. I should see you only once a year, TC. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want that. I'll, although,
0: however, it does give us some good 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 news to catch up on. So let's
1: yeah. let's just hit some bullet points
0: here. I uh, just want some general reactions here. We don't need sure. to go on a whole spiel about it. Because Which we will, anyway. <laughs> well, there's in particular one thing I want to spiel about. But, okay. First off, did you
1: happen to see The Mummy?
0: No. Okay, the Tom but Cruise The did Mummy. You? Uh, it's funny
1: because we're coming off the heels of just rewatching an adventure film. It's right. You yeah. think
0: we would have? But I did not see it. Uh, in fact, not a lot of people are seeing it. I heard a bombs, this at is, least in the states. It's not bombing, yeah. but it's certainly not doing the numbers they'd hope for. It's not even doing Tom Cruise's best numbers
1: to justify a cinematic universe. Right? <laughs> this is
0: this is just a, and it's supposed to be the beginning. Well. Much like Green Lantern was supposed to be the beginning of the DC, and they were like, never mind! <laughs> this was supposed to be the kickoff of the cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dracula Untold was supposed to be the kickoff. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, Dracula Untold, which was the origin of Dracula. Blah, 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 blah. Was that the
1: one we've guessed on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Luke Evans, yeah, right? Luke Evans, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the end of that
0: movie, is a. there's a stinger scene where it's modern day, and Dracula's out in the daylight, and then his villain
1: sees him and goes, The game is on, (laughs) and then and then cut to black. I I gotta say something about this about this ridiculous, just blowing your load before. (laughs) You know, the whole just having the gall of you—you have you're not even from the jump. Yeah, the first movie's not even out yet. Mm -hmm. You have the gall to do a stinger. Yep. But why? (laughs) Here
0: here you go, folks. Let let me let me just be perfectly clear on this. You're not getting a sequel. Make your movie under the assumption and the truth that you will not get a sequel. Don't do this whole setup for some bigger picture (laughs) thing. Iron Man didn't do that. Iron Man... Is the is the epitome of the beginning of a cinematic universe. Yeah. There, there's no other movie that you can pinpoint to say this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Someone in the comments is like, well, what about? Shut up. Because okay. that <laughs> that the Marvel formula is everything everyone's been trying to copy and failing at for over a, almost a decade now, yeah. right? Iron Man was a singular film. Mm-hmm. They had Coulson there yeah. talking about Shield and whatnot. Fine, but he still played a part in the plot of that film. Yeah. Only the Stinger with Sam Jackson. Was the setup for anything more?
1: And it was so simple. It and wasn't like yeah. they were
0: even in production for the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and they did not take the time for for Iron Man to reference. Don't forget to go see the Green Guy. Like, <laughs> just stop doing this to yourselves because you know what we're getting this mar- this this dark universe that Universal thinks they're going to do is just going to be another Amazing Spider-Man 2 situation. Mm -hmm. You did one. You did two. Guess what? We're never getting a three. (laughs) The Mummy with Tom Cruise? Fine. You did that. You set up Jekyll and Hyde. You set up the Invisible Man. Bride of Frankenstein with Angelina Frickin' Jolie is next. Guess what? I bet that's the last one. (laughs) And we'll get another never-get-to-hear-the-end-of-the-story. Who wants to read half a book?
1: Nobody. (laughs) Nobody, nobody, nobody. And it it makes me feel a a little sad because I think there is some promise between – behind these characters, I mm. think a horror cinematic universe, we kind of cool. Yes. And there is something there. Yeah. But they're not doing it correctly. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think a lot of people attribute it to the hubris of these executives <laughs> thinking if they can do it, we can do it too. Because yeah. we, we have money. But I don't think it's just that. I think a lot of it, since they're playing, it's such an uphill battle that they're so much to catch up to Marvel. Mm-hmm. They keep playing into Marvel standards, into Marvel's game. Why can't we recreate the cinematic universe, the mm-hmm. formula, or just rewrite it? You've, you've said on the podcast many times how you would do the DC film. Yeah. Either do Justice League first and then branch off into a bunch of different movies or do duo films instead of solo films. Yeah. Team-up team yeah. films. Team-up films. And
0: it's individual films. Don't try to build some bigger scope and film. Exactly. And or a franchise.
1: Not saying Dark Universe should do that at all. <laughs> but – Tell, like you said, kick it off with a f- compelling story. Make people actually want to come back to this universe. Mm-hmm. Because The Mummy, just from an initial glance, it's it's nothing that I've never seen before. Especially nothing that I've never seen before in a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's like wacky magic and stuff like that. It's still him running from stuff. Yeah. And there's just it just seems so outdated. Like you can tell, like what we were talking about Dr. Elsa in the Last Crusade and mm-hmm. how the female character is so tropey and so... So outdated. Yeah, I totally got that vibe from that blonde doctor character who I don't even know name. I'm, I'm told I mean, it is
0: that you're. And uh, I,
1: yeah, yeah. I've read about it too, and like there was actually a reviewer that said it feels outdated and awkwardly racist and sexist. From from it's, this is from the Guardian. This is not from like some random blog. <laughs> this is like the Guardian was saying this. So it's I don't know from top to bottom. It just looks like a mess, and yeah. I, I don't understand. Like when you told me. <laughs> That Russell Crowe was playing Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. I just knew it was over. Like, (laughs) I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. And even if I found out in the movie, that Mm -hmm. would have made it even worse. Like, that's such a huge crowbar of a a thread.
0: Put the alien skull in the background of Predator 2. Do that. That's fine. Because then people can, like, fantasize of what it could be. You can have comic books and novels and video games. But
1: once you capitalize on it, then, oops. (laughs) Then you have to follow through. Yeah. But... That becomes a slippery slope because now you have to explain this part. and Now you have to explain yeah, yeah. this part. Like, there's such a great moment in Last Crusade. And you kind of – you forget to appreciate those in older films because they do give nods and hints to previous films of the past or stuff in the future mm-hmm. without being – beating you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. When uh, Elsa and Indy were walking through the catacombs and Elsa points to, like, a, a painting or a carving of something, mm-hmm. she's like uh, – is that the the Ark of the Covenant or something like that? Yeah. And then he's like, "Yep," <laughs> No, he's like, "Yep." And then she was like, "How do you know?" And he's just like, and he's like, "I know." <laughs> that was it. That that's was a, it. That's it was a, two he, lines. Uh, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. And I don't know. It's just there's a lost art and subtlety in the modern blockbuster film. We have to say, like, like you said, we've seen everything that there is need, that needs to be seen in the Spider-Man trailers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's the we know the entire movie already. I've been
0: avoiding them as best I can.
1: <laughs> have, have you seen... I haven't seen the most recent two. Okay. Don't. Yeah, because Do that's what I heard. It's like,
0: hey, you want to see the movie? Uh, someone yeah. compiled all them on YouTube. There's like 30 minutes of footage. Oh, my God. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a quarter of the film. That's an act. <laughs> so, uh, Mummy, uh, the Dark Universe, I don't anticipate it. Uh, Angelina Jolie as the Bride
1: of Frankenstein is next on their... And you're not dockets. like a Angelina fan. I don't like Angelina. Yeah. I don't know. There's who? who someone's in, someone interesting is directing that film, aren't they? Or at least attached. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's play some rewriting. First of all, as a casual fan, yeah. what do you think will be able to reel in and capture your interest in this in this? And it can be any character; it doesn't have to be the Mummy. In in the dark, universe? in the dark universe. That's my a a question. B yeah. question: How would you do that? Okay, as I, a writer, here
0: here's how I would do it. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, don't, I don't trust him for one second to do this. Yeah. First of all, sure, Tom Cruise can be your mummy. Russell Crowe can be Jekyll and Hyde. Angelina Jolie can be Bride of Frankenstein. Johnny Depp can be the invisible man. Yeah. Go to town, right? <laughs> Here's what I would do. Every single one of them, the title character is the villain. Ooh. Not the freaking protagonist. Every Ooh. one of them is the Ooh. bad guy. Ooh. That's guys. something Marvel isn't doing.
1: You guys, you guys, I got I got
0: goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosebumps. <laughs> That's a... An- there you go. That, then, then, then you can. Then they get to have go to town as the bad guys. Bad yeah. guys have more fun. Collateral is an amazing film, and yes. Tom Cruise plays the bad guy in mm-hmm. it. There you go. You want to build a dark universe? Go dark. <laughs> Your heroes can be. Look, no one goes to Alien to see the humans. Yeah. No one goes to Transformers to see the humans. <laughs> that, that was a bad example because they're the heroes. Yeah. But no one goes to Predator to see the humans, right? Yeah go that way. Make the Bride of Frankenstein the villain. Yeah. And cast Ava Green. She's better. <laughs> have go. Have Tom Cruise the mummy. Sure, he could start out as a hero, but then have yeah. him gain the powers and go bad. Yeah. Have Jekyll and Hyde be the rapey, evil villain he is, right? <laughs> Wolfman, killer. Like, there, there. Go, go full-in adventure action movie yeah. with those big stars as your title characters and they're the villains.
1: And, you know, some of them could be anti-heroes too because like, when I think you were uh, talking about this last summer when they were just talking about Dark Universe, mm-hmm. like Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, they all kind of stood for, I forgot what era you were talking about, but that era of it's, just paranoia. Yeah, it's the
0: Cold War era. It's fear the, of it's the other. The, yeah, the and Red Scare we, era.
1: And what's what's going on now in, in our political climate? <laughs> uh, the xenophobia. <laughs> the fear of the other. And I feel as though that's the perfect time to strike with these narratives mm-hmm. with these characters and i think it would be so dramatically compelling i'd watch that like your pitch i'd watch the hell out of there that. you go <laughs> they, they are literally villains why why are we trying to make them heroes yeah. i would love a more a universe with more nuance and complexity yeah i don't
0: i don't even want straight up sympathetic villains i yeah. want cold-blooded bad guys right? yeah the closest i I've, i would like to see some sort of sympathy is i loved kurt russell's portrayal of ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Two, yeah. because I actually fell for the guy when he was dying, spoiler, <laughs> uh, and, you he's, understood. and he's begging mm-hmm. Peter, despite ego talking, yeah. like his ego talking. I felt bad for the guy, and exactly. that's, that is a compelling villain. Uh, uh, um, Kingpin Wilson Fisk is yeah. not a good guy, yeah. and he should not you should not have sympathy for him because yeah. he's deranged. Yes. But you can you can understand, you can feel like yeah. those are the kind of villains they could – six movies, of vet, all standing alone, and they don't even need to team up necessarily. Yeah. You can have overlapping protagonists. You can have overlapping let, – let's say there is a monster squad of characters that are going up against these guys, right? <laughs> but your, your focal point should be establishing the mythos and the character of the villain. Yeah. That's why Loki is the best cinematic villain they've had so far
2: Yes,
1: uh,
0: in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he's had three movies to develop. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's 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 my dark um, universe rant. Do you want to go on to another little bit of news? Let's do it. Universal, hire S- this man. Spe- <laughs> please. <laughs> Speaking of other cinematic universes, we got a little uh, DC Universe news. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> well, uh, I don't uh, – that might have been – Quick tidbits since yeah. we're
1: talking about cinematic universes. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a Conjuring universe? Uh, With, like, Annabelle and Annabelle 2? Annabelle, Annabelle 2, Mm -hmm. The Nun. And just last week they're announcing, Did you see The Conjuring 2? Yes, yeah. You remember The Crooked Man, the toy? Yeah. They're making a spinoff of The Crooked Man. Okay. (laughs) There's a a universe now, T.C. Talk about stretching it, like really uh, stretching it.
0: (laughs) 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 Horror movies are not my favorite to begin with, so... All right, so let's talk DC real quick. First okay. off, uh, Danny Elfman has been tapped to score the Justice League. Yes. Which, cool. I, I As much as I appreciate Hans Zimmer's work in many, many, many of his films, mm. his DC cinematic stuff has been the laziest shit he has made in his career.
1: He's literally just like, he doesn't he doesn't care. He yeah. loves the Nolan stuff, but he has no energy for it. Yeah, the,
0: the Nolan stuff has motifs yeah. and themes. And granted, there are some motifs and themes a little bit yeah. in Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel and I do like some of the stuff he's made. It's come on, uh, No. I, I, <laughs> bringing Danny Elfman in. Yeah. That's exciting. Now some of you be like, "Oh, it's not a Tim Burton movie." Right. Sorry, Shulzy, I wasn't mocking you. More than, more, <laughs> more than one person yes, he came, was. more than one person commented <laughs> online that it was not. I thought he only worked make t- bum, 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 uh, t- Danny Elfman scored the original Mission Impossible movie. This is true. The first one.
1: This is true. He has a wealth yeah. of a catalog
0: yeah he's this is exciting and and for the very fact that this is a guy who knows how to write theme songs
1: yes give me a song i can 80s pop songs (laughs) (laughs) oingo boingo
0: (laughs) i give me a theme song i can hum yeah there's a whole there's plenty of video essays about how marvel doesn't have themes you can hum but it's not specifically marvel there are very few films these days that have theme songs that Mm -hmm. you can really hum along to uh I, I would. I hope Daniel Elfman does craft like, you know, the Wonder Woman theme. But even that's just a rough guess at what that is because it's just it, just, like it, it isn't even one you can hum.
1: It's literally two riffs. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it still, sounds like if you played Immigrant Song and stopped it halfway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Stopped it two seconds in. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to see what uh, what he comes up
0: with. This is this is an. A very inspired choice.
1: Yes, I like it. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, why don't they just go with the Justice League animated theme song? That's one of the greatest. It's true, but it, yeah. it is it is for what it is. Um, That's true. Yeah. It's, I'm just being a fanboy, right? <laughs> it, like I
0: would love to hear yeah. the John Williams theme song come from a Superman film, yeah. but it's, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Like it, it's it's just it, it exists for what it is, and it will actually remove you from the moment That's if true. if the Batman played. It would take you out, yeah, because you would instantly connect that to what it existed for, yeah. So it's unfortunate, but uh, luckily those themes aren't going anywhere. <laughs> but speaking of Justice League news, now there, uh, as it is widely known, there was a unfortunate uh, Zack Snyder having some family issues uh, departed from Justice League, and Joss Whedon was brought on to replace him, yeah. Which that's very exciting. The Joss Whedon element is very very exciting. Because this is the guy who made the Avengers, right? Yeah. Um, and he was brought on to finish the film. They were almost done. They had less than three weeks left to yeah. film. Okay? I think it's
1: just mostly post stuff. It was just
0: the yeah. last little tidbits of post stuff and whatnot, right? Yeah. So Joss Whedon brought on to just finish his axe movie. That's what he said. Uh, I'm not even sure it, In initially he was even going to take a director credit. Yeah. I think that was initially the plan. Now – what did you think about Joss Whedon coming on for Justice League to finish Zach's movie? How did you feel about
1: this? It's very odd. It just almost felt like a uh, conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> not not because – I mean, I guess it's the Marvel thing. But I will come on the record on this podcast that I'm not a Joss Whedon fan. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of nerddom in general think he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 Honestly – the movie's technically finished. He's putting all the pieces together. Right. I don't think there will be any Whedonisms in, in this film. So it'll be it'll be still Zack's film. Mm-hmm. I think my concern is Batgirl. Okay, because well, they're doing let, a let's, film.
0: Oh, Actually, it's not Batgirl anymore. They're doing Batwoman.
1: Oh, okay. oh. Okay. That, that aside, yeah. I, I,
0: that's that that is not the news story. Oh, okay. they have scheduled reshoots. They for, have. For Justice League. Oh, now reshoots gosh. are common, yeah. right? But this late in the game though? They're not scheduling two weeks of reshoots. They're scheduling almost two months of reshoots. This late in the game? This late. It comes in the out in November. It comes out in November. That's they, five months. <laughs> yeah. They they have re they have scheduled yeah. full on reshoots. <laughs> which is never a good sign for a film. Rogue One? Su- suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of examples of, of why this is a bad thing. However, this now means Joss Whedon isn't finishing Zack's movie. They are now making a Joss Whedon
1: and Zack Snyder Justice League. (laughs) Whedon and Snyder joint. You know, I'll tell you how it's going to turn out, TC. I don't know which half it is, because I'll give Snyder a benefit of the doubt. One half will be good, and one half will be bad. (laughs) It's just like, do you remember when we screened... Hi, Candace. (laughs) When we screened... Uh, Seth Rogen's Green Hornet. Yes, it's, oh boy. It's a trash film. But I liked all the Michelle Gondry stuff.
0: Yes, the actual, the actual Michelle Gondry sections yeah. that he was responsible for, that was fully his vision.
1: Yeah. Some cool stuff in there. But you can tell when the division happened. <laughs> and there was so much interference, so many cooks in the kitchen. How's, how's Justice League going to be. I mean, this is a random example. Greenhorn was trash. Oh, yeah. But Justice League has more at stake, more plot threads to follow through, more characters to handle. How's this going to work? <laughs> I, I feel
0: that success or failure of Justice League well first of all I think this is a good thing yeah because the less Snyder the better I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to just be a straight up hater but I don't I'm not I do not find anything appealing about his sensibilities as yeah. a director and a, and, and a filmmaker hmm. So I, I think it's a benefit to bring in a different voice. Yeah, and right? I think
1: the the benefit of that you can see through the Marvel films is that there's no mon- directorial monopoly in all the films. Every right. film has a different vision, at least. Yeah, they, they're uh, all playing nicely in a sandbox, yeah.
0: but there is a vision being, being portrayed by the director in charge, the, yeah. the man in the seat. Kevin mm-hmm. Feige uh, trusts the directors he tr- puts in place. Now, where I say I think it's a good thing I do feel that we are setting up for a very clear thing. Like you said, there'll be one half good, one half bad. I don't think it'll be a clear division. Yeah. I think it's gonna be moment by moment. Yeah. And based on nerddom and fandom, Joss Whedon's gonna get all the credit, mm-hmm. and Zack Snyder's gonna get all the ire.
1: Uh, yeah. And I feel kind of bad. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> that
0: that is unfortunate. I yeah. though I dislike Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. I don't wish that upon him. Yeah,
1: especially. Let, Let him get what he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Let the people judge. <laughs> but I think what makes me feel awkward about this particular situation is because it's so unfortunate. Joss was not supposed to come on at all. You know, Zach was deep in the post, mm-hmm. or not at least the beginning post. Mm-hmm. And there's a tragic incident with his family that you know, led to this. The, the circumstances
0: yeah. leading to this are so sad. It's so, And the fact that it happened months ago and yeah. that he tried to power through. Exactly, and that's why, like, that's that's incredible for him as a as a dedicated filmmaker. Yeah, but to to accept that he mm. he can't focus anymore yeah. for his family that's that's so heartbreaking. And I'm separating his personal life from his filmmaking. No, absolutely.
1: Life. I'm not definitely not bringing this up to criticize Mr. TC DeWitt, but I it makes me feel weird to criticize him now because it's hard to separate. But also condemning all the nerds celebrating. The oh. departure of Zack Snyder. Yeah. yeah. Look,
0: look, I, I for one, if the circumstance had been completely different yeah. and they had bumped him and brought in someone else, I probably would have been in a good mood about yeah. it. But under the circumstances, if anyone yeah. out there is being happy that it, that this happened yeah. for this, oh, go to hell. <laughs> go to hell. Come on. <laughs> so wrong. Se- separate the filmmaker from the personal life and so realize that a, a father lost a daughter yeah. under terrible circumstances. <gasps> That's horrible. Yeah. Um the here, here's here's an optimistic point of view. Okay. Also, it marks the uh, the uh, the <laughs> the untrustworthiness of Warner Brother execs. <laughs> they didn't think Wonder Woman was going to do as well as it did. They did not. This, this was such an an insane, out of the blue success story. Yeah. When you look at their projected numbers, they have doubled what they projected. Yeah. Opening weekend. Mm-hmm. They didn't think Wonder Woman was going to do what it did. Nope. And it did. Gangbusters. Perhaps the reason that they are doing reshoots, this many reshoots, is to reshuffle Diana's position on add Justice more. League. Yeah. Not, not, and I don't want to see add more like, well, they clearly added that scene in last minute. <laughs> I mean structurally, negatively. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hawkeye from Thor. <laughs> Uh, should I pull the arrow? No. Okay. <laughs> that's my cameo. Where's my paycheck? Where's my paycheck? <laughs> Perhaps they're reshooting it to structurally place her in a far more prominent role than she ah, initially had. More of a like, leadership like role. Like you said in the first half of the cast, Batman is being set up as the leader of the Justice League, but clearly Wonder Woman is Tony Stark Yeah. in, in this scenario. So maybe that's what the reshoots are? <sighs>
1: Man, it's... I I am torn because yes, in a perfect world, I do want that. But all the rules, the world building that they laid down Mm. already—it's just so awkward to mix it up this much this late in the game. Because like Ben Affleck, like in real life, it's just just me reading the tea leaves and like reading (laughs) like rumors and stuff like that. He seems pretty tired of this. He's distancing himself. Finagle, Finaggling this handling of Mm -hmm. the DC universe and. I don't know. What does that mean for Batman? What's, well, what's he already stepped down as director. Yeah, he's not directing it anymore. What's going to happen to that movie? It, Is Matt Reeves still directing?
0: Mm, yes, I believe so. Okay, uh, it's it's really crazy because Marvel will be like, "Hey, we got the schedule set for the next three years," yeah. and you're like, "Cool, I can put this on my calendar." <laughs> DC's like, "We got the plans for the next five movies," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a uh, little well, wait. I'm gonna just gonna hold off on this." Pump like, your brakes. <laughs> Flash has been shut down again. Yeah. Their, their third director dropped out, right, or something like that. Yes, they lost a third director. <laughs> here's a here's a quick little thing. Yeah, hire TC? Do what? Nope. <laughs> I'll bet they hire Edgar Wright. Oh, he's perfect for Flash. Yep, I bet they do. He's perfect for let him write it. Yep, let him write I it. I think I think Whedon in the position he's in now. Yeah. And they're putting a lot of chips in his basket. Bring on his homies. <laughs> I think, why not go to someone else who was spurned by the MCU? Yeah. Ooh. And Edgar Wright. And see, based on the trailers for Baby Driver, the dude yeah. is amping his game up for action. Yeah. Fast action mm-hmm. chases literally the fast. Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Need so, I spell t- it out more? T.C. T.C. Damas. T.C. Damas. Damas right here, right now. Edgar Wright. Jumping on for the Flash.
1: I really hope you will that into existence. <laughs> <laughs> you need to tweet it out, TC. <laughs> gonna, I,
0: I, hey, uh, Mr. Wright, I love your movies. You should direct the... I ran out of characters. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, swinging over to Marvel real quick, uh, speaking of kind of a shuffling or uh, positioning, James Gunn is being put into position to help shape what will be Phase. Four, I believe, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I heard they're not doing phases anymore after phase right. three. Right. Well, what, whatever the and it's and it's. I'm putting it, the phase four, but yep. whatever whatever occurs after the Infinity War is completed, and yep. we enter into uh, after Guardians of the Galaxy three. There's going to be a, a reshaping of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be, and James Gunn has been brought in by Kevin Fe, uh, uh, Feige to be. One of the masterminds behind yeah. this, which I think is a great idea. Makes yeah. sense. The guy clearly has a sense of scope and storytelling and style. And um, the the fact that there was one producer edit comments yeah. for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and none for Volume 2 <laughs> speaks leaps and bounds about the trust that Marvel has in... Gun as a visionary, yeah, and and in the Russo brothers for what they're doing. There's for as much meddling as it there might seem to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they bring on the right people, yeah. the right team players. That uh, I'm excited by this. So, uh, what do you feel? I don't know if we ever got a chance to truly discuss Guardians of the Galaxy two. Did we? We,
1: I think did. We, did, yeah. we did. We, we did. that yeah, okay. yeah.
0: no, was the last time we did. So, um, <laughs> but how do you feel about uh, James Gunn? Jumping on here is I like it. Putting it in a position of uh, of shaping the what's to come.
1: It's a smart move, especially if you're trying to reshape everything. And I know, like, Feiji's process is not just him as the wizard behind the curtain. No, no, no. Just he's making all the decisions. Super collaborative. Yeah, super Very collaborative. collaborative. And I think that's the thing between the Marvel system versus the DC system. It's not. There's no. It's a democracy. It's a democracy, and it's a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at team sports, you're looking at like I know. Sports ball, But you look at the Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland LeBron James. (laughs) It's one guy, you know, one amazing guy willing the team into the championship. But the other one, Mm -hmm. they play so unselfishly. Everyone shares the ball. And it seems as though at Marvel everyone shares the wealth and the responsibility of telling all these stories. And I think that's what works. It's not necessarily meddling. It's everyone buying into the system, buying Mm -hmm. into – we all come together for this one goal, and I think that's something so it's so. Even though film is a collaborative, it's the most collaborative medium. Something we forget, though, especially at the upper tier, upper tier uh, levels, mm-hmm. when the, the decision makers. And so, I think <laughs> that's why. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't lump Marvel in with other studio systems because they're so much more open to ideas like that and open to promoting like a a director who did. What, just slither right before you uh, well
0: super slither uh, he worked for uh, Roger Corman for quite a f- few numbers of years but he, right, yeah. his his uh library of features was
1: very small yeah it's like all art house stuff mm-hmm. and so I mean that's great they that means they're open to different voices yeah. yeah it's and now people listening could accuse us of being Marvel fanboys by the way <laughs> we, we praise the well, Marvel I films I'll come and say this because three years ago. I said on this cast that X Men were, were my favorite Marvel films. Yeah, that, yeah. I'm open to admitting I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I am buying in now. I am very much buying in. Like ever since all the Cat movies came out, Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not
0: that we're just being fanboys. Yeah. I feel like we defend our opinion rather well. Yeah. It's that we're we're pinpointing more than just I like it. I don't like it. <laughs> we're 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 breaking it's good. it. It's We're breaking down into the behind the scenes, the filmmaking, the vision of the directors versus the the complications of constantly backpedaling and reshuffling and fixing what DC does. Yeah. It's, it's this messy organization versus this very well-oiled machine. The machine that is the mouse also doesn't hurt matters. Yeah. I mean, having unlimited resources at your yeah, disposal. That, that <laughs> does kind of help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Marvel machine is exemplar and it's amazing. I wish I could be a part of that. And yeah, and it's a dream, but on a smaller scale, we can be a part of that. We I work with the same group of people as often as I can. Mm-hmm. As soon as I have a project, I try to think, how can I get my friends involved with this? Because I trust making things with them. I trust making uh, products with the same people while also wanting to bring new people in and yeah. giving chances. And that, on a micro scale, is...
1: You're Kevin Feige. Yeah. Shut
0: But look at the Pixar system. Yeah. Pixar is very much... A family as well. Hmm. A lot of their main characters are voiced by people who are in the house. Yeah. That just the the storyboard artist who did the design on um, not Remy but the the chef in Ratatouille, he just voiced the scratch track. Yeah. And they were like, uh, "We're not recasting this part. Yeah. You're the you're playing this part now." Yeah. The it's it's being able to collaborate on that level is just just amazing. Yeah. And it, and it makes me excited for the future of what Marvel has to offer. Yeah. Which segue. Ooh. did you see that Black Panther trailer? I sure did. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. It now it it does have feels similar to Thor yeah. and it's a uh, um oh uh, uh, afro afro techno um there's a term that for what we're seeing it's uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> but what did you um, think of the uh of uh, of the preview?
1: Puzzles first. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan looks awesome. <laughs> Love that hair. He's Love the, the, the bad hair. guy, right? He's the bad guy. I think he's gonna blow it out of the water. <laughs> this is a phenomenal cast. Oh yeah, this is, a, this is a freaking phenomenal cast. I can't even. I don't know. Even like people who are playing, who are like bit players, like Daniel Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. who's in Get Out and Black Mirror. Yep. He's just. He's just a guard. He's just there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's there. I mean, that's how exemplary this cast is. That's incredible.
0: I'm just excited for Andy Serkis Southern African, South African accent again. Yeah. Great accent.
1: Great accent. fish. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be awesome. Um, cast, Chadwick Boseman's going to kill it. I, I, think, I think Bryce brought this up, and I thought he would have liked more jungle stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like...
0: Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. It's an actual. Te- uh, uh, Afrofuturism is a term not coined for Black Panther. It's, a, it's an existing style, a genre. Yeah. Much like we have steampunk here in America yeah. and and in the United Kingdom, Africa has Afrofuturism,
1: which is so great because like that's kind of like sorry, you were, yeah, I jumped in a good. Oh no, worries. I think that kind of bleeds into uh, my point, which is. You Africa you. is so, miss. Interpreted and mm-hmm. misrepresented because it's not all, like, poor children and women in villages and huts and stuff like that. Oh, no. South yeah. Africa is a booming metropo- uh, yeah, metropolis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And just to see it portrayed like this, it's not only just, not only just, you know, like, it feels just, but also really exciting. Like, it's not... <sighs> It's just what we're going back to Wonder Woman. Maybe it's not a novelty. I keep calling it a novelty. I feel like that's very dismissive to say it, so mm-hmm. I apologize. But just seeing something different in this tired old genre that we call the superhero genre that yeah. we love so much, <laughs> yeah. but – having a different flavor doesn't hurt once in a while. you know. We like know. choices. Yeah. <laughs> and so just seeing that is just really exciting. Yeah, I mean, just, There's no revelation of what the plot might be, yeah. but I'm excited. What you're it's just enough. Yeah. Like It's just enough though. I'm like, okay, I don't need to see anymore. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to see anymore. That's good. I'm in. I was yeah. on board
0: from the announcement of the cast. I'm yeah. good. That's you cool. had me at Marvel. You had, <laughs> his introduction to Civil War. I'm, yeah, good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, But uh, yeah. Uh,
1: if I had to be critical, mm-hmm. uh, I do think it looks too clean. It's got that Marvel look, you know. what I mean, that we've been complaining about the the lack of it. I mean, it's colorful to an extent, but it's not. It's not Ragnarok colorful. Yeah, like when I look yeah. at Ragnarok, I'm like, that do, that totally looks like its own thing. It doesn't look like a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. And that's I think a, that's so great. What I'm sorry, to keep on interrupting, but like, that's right. That's, that's right. That's so great when we're flipping through the comics, especially '80s Black Panther or '80s or '70s Thor and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They're so psychedelic. Yeah, they're so. Like, they literally wrote this on on Molly or, like, on acid. (laughs) I'm tripping balls. Yeah, exactly. And I think visually it might be
0: too much of the same. Yeah. Because I did say it it does have reminiscence of Thor, of of what Asgard looks like.
1: I'm obviously just jumping the gun. I'm just being critical just to be critical, but that's what I'm thinking. It looks very much like a Marvel movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, maybe that's which be might like. be good, which yeah. might be bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there was another announcement that actually shocked Mr. Kevin himself because he was in the room when it was announced. Yeah. The head of Sony just put aside all speculation and said the Venom movie is going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: He's like, to yeah. hell it is. Which was news <laughs> to Kevin.
0: Schulze <laughs> uh, messaged me, and I, I tried to find a, a good... Um, article about it or not, but it was essentially that the Sony guy announced that, and Kevin Feige was like, huh? (laughs) Uh, To be determined. I think think the success or failure of Spider-Man, which they've announced is going to be a trilogy within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which Mm -hmm. I think is a good sign that they're like, okay, it's good enough, we'll keep it around. But also to be determined how much Sony may or may not have screwed this up in its marketing and its execution. Right now, I am not on the fence of excitement. Yeah. I am on the side of the fence where I'm like, you guys botched this again. (laughs) You guys botched this again. I really I'm I'm I think they might have. I hope they didn't. And I'm sorry to sound cynical on it, but it's just it's like my distrust of DC. When you keep making the same mistakes, you're gonna keep getting the same results. Yeah. And marketing wise on spider-man they've shown way too much and they keep showing more hey here's a behind the scenes with another five minutes of footage (laughs) hey do you do you want to know every minute that tony stark's on screen because we can give that to you go ahead google it right now we put it out there like come on guys
2: yeah
0: please prove me wrong i want this to be good i want a spider-man that's good because right now his appearance in civil war was great Little shoehorned in, but they executed it amazingly on that on yeah. the airport fight scene. I don't know. I don't know. I I think it would be dumb for them not to connect Venom to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. But even if only it's a tertiary thing, just to say, don't make it obviously departed yeah. from the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: Right?
1: Not the departed. Yeah. Not the departed. <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: don't intentionally say this is a whole new thing. Yeah. You don't have to, like, deliberately have a cameo by um, Mark Ruffalo. Like, you don't have to have that sort of connection, but don't disconnect it from it. Yeah. Because what the way it was shaping up was that Peter Parker, Tom Holland, Spider-Man is connected to the MCU. And Venom and the Spider-Verse they were going to create would be completely disconnected from all of that. Yeah. So they were going to make a Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man.
1: I actually heard that Tom Holland is, is canon in their universe now. Did you hear did you read that? Canon in the The Sony Spider Verse. Yes, that yeah. was that was what the announcement was. Oh, to okay. say yeah.
0: to, to say no no, Venom's still connected to the yeah. MCU. That was what the whole announcement was. It was like Because there was the rumor yeah. that we're, we're gonna create a whole Spider Verse without Spider Man? No. Nah, don't do that. <laughs> come on, Sony, don't be stupid.
1: Here comes Ant May the movie. Oh god. Which was actually... Announced. Why was that a thing? Yeah, that was Why a thing. Why was that a thing? <laughs> that, was, that was actually going to happen. <laughs> that was a real thing that they were going to do. A was, young Ant May movie? <laughs> who was asking
0: for
2: that? Who <laughs> what was that would asking? they do? I don't I'm know. I'm
0: curious what would they do. Look, there, here's a great little historical tidbit. Uh, Jack Kirby was the Marvel go-to guy. Yeah, like, he, he helped craft the Marvel comic book universe back in the 60s. And then DC opt- got him to come to DC. And they were like, Jack, you can do whatever you want. You can have... Any character in our entire library, they're all yours. You're the legend. Superman, Batman, who do you want? And Jack Kirby said, Jimmy Olsen. And they said, what? <laughs> and Jack Kirby said, yeah, I want to do a Jimmy Olsen comic book. Mm. That's, the, that's the comic book I want to make. Yeah. And, and DC was like, or, uh, okay, <laughs> whatever you say, Jack. <laughs> Lo and behold, that comic went on to be one of the greatest selling comic books that DC Comics ever had. Yeah. Might be because Jack Kirby was involved. But yeah. Who wanted an Aunt May movie? Who's the, <laughs> who's the brilliant man who's like, guys, I have a vision.
1: <laughs> Did you stretch before you made that reach? <laughs> I mean, uh, but just, just even jokingly about stretching, I just feel as though all those spider characters are st- totally stretching it. Like, I don't want to see a Venom movie. I know you and I aren't fans because we're kind of old heads when it comes to that. Yeah, well, you know what?
0: They had their chance. The end of life <laughs> could have been. I tell you what, man. Oh, I swear to God, if that—did you see Life, the the movie oh, with Jake dear. Gyllenhaal, the space movie? If that had secretly been Sony's origin story for Venom, yeah. holy shit! <laughs> I, would, I would have. I would have been hooting and hollering yeah. as the credits were rolling. I would have been like, "No, they did. You got
3: me. No, they
0: did. <laughs> uh, they didn't. But had they? Oh boy! Yeah. I would have been like, "Yep, Sony, I trust you, uh, and, and you've done it." But no, they didn't.
1: You done did
0: it? Yeah, I don't. I don't have it. He's this weird character. He came out in the '90s. This is a very '90s feeling character. However, yeah. the current Venom is Flash Thompson, and he works for Shield. The, oh. the comic character is Agent Venom. Yeah, he's got the symbiote that once belonged to Peter Parker and Eddie Brock. He has it, and he is working for Shield. And with come come up May, with that information, but. I bet that a Venom movie delves more into that they'll they'll scavenge the Flash Thompson Venom stuff and mix it with Eddie Brock and yeah. and, and play in that realm the anti-hero Venom which uh, good or bad yeah. I don't like villains that they that become so popular they decide to make them heroes. Yeah. It's weird.
1: What what makes them interesting are because they're villains.
0: Yeah. I love Joker. Do I want to see him teaming up with Batman? Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: maybe actually. <laughs> not not the
0: current Joker. Their
1: their idea did you ever hear like the rumblings of what they would have done with Heath Ledger if he were still alive? Oh yeah, the Hannibal Lecter style, yeah, third yeah. Batman movie, oh, and oh. him sabotaging Bane because the hell of it. He's yeah. like, "There's only one villain in this town, yeah. and it's me." That's kind of that's chaos, that buddy. What would you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. Yeah, that's the yeah. only time I would love to see that. But mm-hmm. like. I don't know Venom. Like you said, it came out during a weird time when the like we're trying to all forget about the (laughs) nineties when it comes to comic books because that's when Marvel went bankrupt and they were just doing. There is literally nuking the fridge just so they can up their sales. Blades and pockets on everyone. Everyone's got belts now. <laughs>
0: What's the extreme version? Everything was extreme with an X. Yes. Yeah, that's, everything that's... was a Mountain Dew version of themselves. <laughs> Daredevil has a black costume now with blades on the shoulders. <laughs> and Superman has a black suit and a mullet. And, and a and, mullet. <laughs> and Batman has blades on his fingers. <laughs> and cable and Deadpool and blades <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Hashtag blades. Extreme. Extreme. <laughs> it's just that weird.
1: I, I love Image Comics the way it is now mm-hmm. and how they empower their creators oh, to geez. just... Well, it's all creator-owned, yeah. Yeah, but before, it was just like muscles on muscles. muscles it was like muscles. Muscles T- Todd on. McFarlane and, and Jim Lee just got together and was like, what if Superman did steroids? <laughs> 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 what if Batman did steroids? <laughs> muscles on my... Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld? Oh, my God. Uh, Rob yeah, yeah. Liefeld. <laughs> uh, Rob Liefeld. Did He's you good. ever see the recreation of... The Watchmen cover, with, done by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, have to Google. I'm gonna have to Google that one. <laughs> it's it's great just for just for fandom's sake. But yeah, like well, I do Venom. we'll, we'll don't know. see.
0: We'll see. I I do have hopes in Spider-Man. I, know I was sounding like a jerk before, but it's got Tony in it. I think that'll that'll be fun. From all I've seen from yeah. the many many trailers, everything looks great. It looks like it's it's falling in line closer to the Sam Raimi goodness yeah. and. Further away from the Mark Webb badness, yeah. Uh, not to say that Sam Raimi was perfect, and not to say that Mark Webb did the worst job in the world. It's just a weird, weird middle ground on a lot of those things. Yeah. But, uh, um, that that first Spider-Man, as silly and goofy as it is, you know, it's still it still is the best incarnation we've seen yeah. of, of of that character. The uh, bar he,
1: is passable. Yeah. It, the, there you go. That's yeah.
0: it. The bar is passable. So.
1: Uh, well, we still got a little bit of time here.
0: I, I'm willing to to go on to at least another 20 minutes or so. Sure. So there's a, here's a conversation that I know we'll have lots to say about. Now, you sent me an article about Colin Trevorrow failing his way into success. And I hear, and I hear you growling because you're across from me and I have headphones on. <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah. It's not his fault.
1: Yes. No, and, I just want to preface, I don't hate Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. I know he's just a product of the system. Yes. I'm mad at the system, not at Colin Trevorrow. Because... In a heartbeat, Ben, yeah. I won't lie to you. I
0: would take his career. Yes. I would take his career so fast yes. you wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> to do Star Wars, come on. Yeah. To, to 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 make four feature films in your life and, and be, one
1: that's one's a Sundance Darling. One that and, the only one that got distribution. Like the other ones are just like yeah. random ones we never heard. He he made Safety Not Guaranteed by himself. Yeah.
0: Brad Bird saw it, said, Hey Spielberg. That's the guy who should direct the next Jurassic Park, yeah. and then he got to make Jurassic World. That's zero to a thousand. Man. <laughs> and then, and then he makes Book of Henry, another personal piece. And it's I've not seen it, yeah. but boy, the critics have not been kind <laughs> to this guy. And he's already tapped and tagged to make Episode
2: Nine mm-hmm.
0: with um, um, Ryan Johnson's script, yeah. which is exciting because I do like Ryan Johnson.
1: Ryan Johnson's awesome.
0: Yeah. So that's his career, and despite his. The criticism people will have for Jurassic World, we weren't very kind to it when we watched it, and, and over time, it's easier to pick that movie apart for its yeah. for its problems. I don't think that's Trevorrow's fault. Yeah, I think that's just a product of the position he was putting because that movie was yeah. going to make money no matter what. That mo- that was the movie that was going to get made. Yeah, he was just he just showed up. <laughs> sorry, sorry to say, but that's what it comes down to. Yeah, Jurassic World was a studio picture. Yeah. And he showed up. Good for him. Yeah. Because it landed him Star Wars. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> um. And and to be determined on, on how he succeeds or fails, in whatever capacity that might be on yeah. Episode Nine. I will say that's also Studio Picture, and you better believe Johnson's script yeah. and uh, Kathleen Kennedy are going to play a heavy hand. Kid in gloves. How that movie is crafted. Yeah. Um, also, there's a couple rumors right now that Mark Hamill's not entirely happy with how he's being portrayed. How Luke is being
1: handled it was really odd for him to come public yeah. like that he just said straight up i'm i disagreed with ryan mm-hmm. on how luke was portrayed i oh. have a conspiracy theory Grey that, Jedi? This, that this is market this is marketing okay
0: that blow it out of proportion yeah that i think that he might have been like i disagreed but you know i accepted it. i'm a professional i'm gonna keep working yeah and find a way to make it work I think that's the real story. Mm. I think the, ooh, tension on the set. Mark Hamill hates the movie. Is the movie going to be bad? That's all marketing. Yeah. That's all smoke and mirrors to keep the conversation going between the first trailer and the next trailer. Yeah. So that's just my my guess. I don't think we're in a danger zone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if it was any other film, if it was any other director, if it was any other studio, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I would be like – for example, Ben Affleck stepping away from directing the Batman movie. Yeah. That's uh, very telling. <laughs> so back up to Trevor here. Him being a product of this machine that allows him to continue to succeed where Patty Jenkins hasn't made a movie since Monster, that's a systemic problem. Yeah. Right? That's, there are no, there are a handful of mainstream movies coming out in the next year that are directed by female directors. Yeah. Um it's I mean it's obviously because women can't direct, right?
1: <laughs> Disgusting. We're, we're getting letters. We're getting letters. I can feel the the pens writing. <laughs> it's it's odd. Like where do you where do you point the finger at? Is it the suits? Is it the people inheriting the positions of said suits is it the creators who keep continually accepting these positions? But as a creator ourselves, we've. I wouldn't say no. Yeah, I we openly no. admit it. What, like, what why you, would you say no? What would
0: you want me to do? <laughs> for, for, for those of you criticizing the, Trevorrow and, yeah. and his and his trajectory, what what do you want him to do? Yeah. What, if if someone came to me and said, "We'd like you to direct Star Wars," even though your last two movies have been critically panned, we there. want you to direct Star Wars. I'm not going to say sorry. Maybe you should find a woman or a person of color. Yeah. I know that sounds super, super rude, yeah. but I'm not going to pass up Star Wars. <laughs> I will do everything in my power to in, to have inclusion yeah. and diversity and, and and be be an ally to all those voices, yeah. but I'm not going to say no, yeah.
1: <laughs> would you say no?: It's the
0: realistic answer like
1: <laughs> I, you know you come to realize it's it's a at least studio filmmaking, yeah, business first, not to say not to say that that means Colin it would do better business. But maybe they see something in this guy. Maybe he's a good yes man. Maybe he's a good – maybe he delivers cuts on time. Maybe he delivers under budget. Who yeah. knows? I mean, that's, hell, why
0: that's why Snyder was, Schneider was tapped because yeah. he can make a movie why fast. Why does he
1: have five ch- different chances, right, <laughs> to make a movie? Because and, he makes a movie fast. Because <laughs> he makes a movie fast. But he doesn't. It. It's over budget and they do three months of reshoots. continue. <laughs> but I think and – and I hate this phrase. It starts a conversation. I've, <laughs> I've come to the point in my – I'm trying to always, I'm trying to phrase this in you're a way. done with
0: you're done with the conversation you're ready for action and you're ready for results is that it, it?
1: it's so weird because how do you propel action without a conversation mm-hmm. and how do you move from the conversation stage to action it Com- starts with it starts with us unpacking all these things all these internalized things mm-hmm. saying like someone who comes from the background of Colin Trevorrow... Is a capable? Is a ca- you would just assume right away he's capable? When it, when he got Jurassic World from just that one feature, I mm-hmm. think there was a blip of a conversation about that, but no one made a big fuss about it because it's Jurassic World. Yeah. The last two sequels are terrible. And it was yeah.
0: okay. And it was a continuing trend of let's tag this indie director for this big picture. Yeah. we've seen it succeed and fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Trask. Um, uh, uh, the guy who did Fantastic Four. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, Josh Trank. Josh Trank,
0: yeah. right? That's – let's pluck a guy from obscurity mm. and stick him in a major motion picture and yeah. watch him fail miserably.
1: So – th- uh, I think you're not, – not to interrupt, but no, no, I, I think it's it needs to start not just at the franchise level because we all know that's just like you groom next up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a very in-house type of thing. To kind of break in, it needs to come from the indie and middle budget pictures as well. Like, we need a groom. There needs to be a system that fosters and nurtures new talent Mm -hmm. and be willing to not take a chance because obviously, who's going to take a chance on us right now, you know, unless we knew somebody. Right. Or somebody knows somebody. Don't
0: don't close the doors out of some snobbish idealism of what cinema should be, like Cannes is doing Mm -hmm. by, by banning digital releases. Yeah. It needs to stop being shocking hmm. that a woman succeeds at a female-led movie. Yeah. It shouldn't be a shock that Patty Jenkins was the right choice for Wonder <laughs> Woman. They they were smart from the get-go. They yeah. had a female director from yeah. the get. That was very good. Yeah. But that should be a given. Yeah. It shouldn't be a shock that you tag uh, Coogler uh, – not Coogler, um uh, or is it Ryan Coogler doing Black Panther? Yeah, Ryan Coogler. Yeah. That should be a
1: shock. That yeah. should be a given. The, of course, the shock is is because of the culture. Yeah, it's because of how long it's been like this. Mm-hmm. And I think I was reading another article about this. Uh, the, did you know Deep Impact was directed by a woman? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, um, it was I'm in that article you sent me.
2: Oh, yes, it is. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. same article. I I for, forgive me for not knowing her name. As I should. That's that's on me. Mm. She didn't direct anything for decades. She
0: just directed episodes of – was she the one who did uh, The Leftovers?
1: Yes. Yes. She just started picking up TV gigs again. And I'm just filling in the blanks. Maybe she was doing TV for a while. Mm. But no one called her after Deep Impact. And Deep Impact was going head-to-head with Armageddon, like literally the same movie. Doing the same same things. And they were on par with each other, at least financially.
0: Both were two of the highest-grossing movies of the year they came out. Yeah. Armageddon beat it, but –
1: I I wonder what happened there, like – this is not taking a chance anymore. This is a major motion picture. She's proved her capabilities mm-hmm. on a major motion picture scale. It's What's left to prove? There, When it comes down to it, especially
0: in the big budget arena, there are too many people in mm-hmm. the arena. And the suits, who don't come from a creative perspective, yeah. just look at the business. They look at the numbers. They look at what is bankable. Mm-hmm. And what is bankable are names people recognize. That's why you get, oh. still get stars in movies. That's why directors continue to have careers because you... you Okay, so Zack Snyder's last couple movies might have tanked, but now you can say, from the director of this movie that did really well and the director of this movie that did really well. Yeah. And that, that even goes to Pixar. Pixar does that in their previews where you say, from, from the creators that brought you these three successful films and not even the three best films in their library, yeah. they will say the three ones that... They're hoping to capitalize on that success for this new movie. So yeah. Coco isn't saying from the creators of Inside Out; they're saying from the creators of Cars. Right? Yeah. And it's 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 the non-creative mentality yeah. of the business of cinema, and that sucks. It's very very upsetting, and like
1: I don't want I don't want to shit on development people because that's that's something I aspire to be like. Oh, c- certainly, yeah. and it's
0: not them. It's not the development level. It's, yeah. it's even higher. It's yeah. the people who who are counting their their stock and stocks and, yeah. and the points and the the shareholders of businesses mm. who who don't care about the art. They care about the bottom line.
1: Yeah, the investors, the, the, investors. the studio heads. Yeah. And
0: why should yeah. I invest in you? How am I going to get a return? Yeah. Well, don't you just want to appreciate the art of it? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so weird, and especially with Chinese money coming in now, it's like another wrinkle of another hoop to jump through. I don't know if you saw this little mini video. I think Quartz was the media outlet that put this out. It was like two minutes or whatever of the certain things American studios or American filmmakers have to do in order to adhere to Chinese investors. You know, things like putting in a famous Chinese pop star in a like non consequential role, right? Like the King Cor- Kong, the, King Kong mm-hmm. the Korean scientist in Iron Man Two. Yep, um, and then. And then shooting it in China, mm-hmm. having China, China be the backdrop, and then having China be, like, a major character, like, in The Martian. I know that's in the book or whatever, if, at least from what I heard. Um, but they play a major proponent in the conclusion of that film. Yeah. And just stuff like that, random stuff like that. It's it's, it's like yeah. it's um, product placement next level. So <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: truly, truly product placement at a, at a very extreme level.
1: Very, blur, it blurs the line in between commerce and artistic integrity. Now. Oh,
0: there's no blur there, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear commerce first. Yeah. When when you have extra minutes of footage for the Chinese release of yeah. Iron Man three, I forgot about that. That's, that's like right, ten whole minutes. Yeah, there's there's yeah. an extra character in the movie that, yeah. that's introduced in passing in the 1999 flashback. Yeah. And that that is it's not art. That's not art. Mm-mm. And and that's we've we've said time again it's yeah. the middle budget picture that's that needs to make a return. Yeah. That's where the Blumhouse productions are thriving. It's where studios that create the Conjuring and those horror movie franchises they're succeeding there because they're bringing in new talents. That aren't necessarily a part of the system. Yeah, you get you're getting more Asian American filmmakers or just Asian filmmakers. You're getting more voices heard. It, for for Trevro, the article that you sent me was specific to the gender bias.
2: Yeah,
0: we're we're talking about uh, diversity in general, but mm-hmm. the the gender bias in filmmaking is is systemic. It is is been around since the very beginning, and mm-hmm. it's the glass ceiling that's getting that's still hard to break. Yeah. Catherine Bigelow beating out James Cameron for the best picture yeah. when it was Hurt Locker versus Avatar, there was a lot of subtext in that yeah. in that moment that they were exes, Ex, they they used to be married. Uh, what what she was able to, to achieve there was was a great achievement. But then she went goes on to what make Zero Dark Thirty. Has she made anything else since? Like,
1: the new Detroit movie coming out this August. But yeah. you
0: think you would think she would have more to show for herself? Yeah. Um, Definitely, but then the question lies, and then the article brought up is like, "Well, maybe women don't want to be involved." uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say this: there is not, we don't have a culture in place that nurtures diverse voices, Mm -hmm. at least on a major level. It's it's coming up now. There's a lot of nonprofits like CAPE, the Center for Asian Pacific uh, Entertainment Coalition. They're mm-hmm. they're great. They're teaming up with Disney and Warner and NBC for all these diverse workshops, bringing up all these writers and staffing them on these sitcoms and whatnot. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's such – but on a big picture level, that is kind of a blip on the radar. Yeah. And yep. these shows come and go. They're not like Modern Family. You know what I mean? <laughs> Eight <And> so, seasons. <laughs> exactly. And so the steps are there. and. The consumer, it's kind of like in the consumer's hands now. Do you want to keep paying for the? But then again, it's also a different medium because if you look at TV, mm-hmm. it's incredibly diverse. It's incredibly oh, inclusive because there's yeah. more opportunities there. Yeah, you
0: have multiple directors in a series. You mm-hmm. have multiple writers on a show. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a bigger arena to play in.
1: Bigger arena and like a bigger sell now because people are staying home more often and mm-hmm. watching and mm-hmm. Netflixing and chill and stuff like that. And I feel as though since the the demand for watching a movie in the theater, watching movies in general, mm. which breaks my heart, by the way, because as a cinephile, <laughs> I want to watch stuff on the big screen, right? Not the, not just shit on Netflix. I love Netflix, but just stuff like that. Narrowing that, narrowing the demand means there's going to be less demand for talent. Well, it, you said speak with the dollar. Yeah, speak. The consumer needs to
0: speak, and Wonder Woman is a good step in the right direction. Yes, saying we want more of this. Mm. Give give us more of this. Yeah. The 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 hope is that they will learn the right lessons, yeah. and I think they might. I, I feel like Patty Jenkins could be – she should be the voice to help shape the the universe to come for DC. She has a lot of leverage yeah. now. And and Trevorrow being uh, being this bad example of the system, in context, he, he is proving he's bad yeah. because the Book of Henry – did terribly. <laughs> Le- left to his own, de- and I'm not trying to be funny, but yeah. left to his own devices, he bombed, and that's yeah. fine. But you put him on two properties; mm. those movies are going to sell themselves. He yeah. has nothing to do with it, mm. and people will pay to see Star Wars. People will pay to see Jurassic Park. Yes, they're not paying to see his movie. Yeah. He's proved that. And, yeah. and will and the consumer spoke. The, sco- the consumer and the general critics have spoken. Yeah, that we want this, we don't want that. Yes, so. The, the hopeful success of Black Panther, it's people are going to go see a Marvel movie, but Marvel movie with that cast, led by that director, written by uh, written by the, the who it's written by, yeah. that is going to be beneficial. Yes, and and people just need to keep speaking with their dollar, and, keep speaking it, keep celebrating it, and taking. So to go back to my my cheeky remark of like, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> it, it is important to have people in positions who are willing to create diverse choices, yeah. and and challenge system choices, right? And even if, if you want to go something as simple as why I like James Gunn so much, simple as this. He puts his brother in lead roles. Yes. And he's yes. good. Sean Gunn, who plays one of the Reavers, uh, or not Reavers, um, Ravagers yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's great. Yeah. He's Kirk from, uh, from Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Yeah. He has his own career, but James yeah. makes a position for his brother to be... Uh, Sam Raimi does that too. He gets Ted involved with all his stuff, and there's that small little aspect shows how much the door is open with a filmmaker like yeah. that to, to buck the system. It would be easy to stick uh, a force, a celebrity into a role like Stallone, I think, was that felt really forced in yeah. Rise of the Galaxy 2. That did not feel like a James Gunn choice. It felt weird. Yeah. So being set into positions and getting opportunities, it's up to the people who then get those opportunities to say, you know, screw you, system.
1: I'm yeah. going to do it this way. Peace. Yeah. So. It's it's interesting. <laughs> you know, it, someone – I think I talked about this a while back, but just having, a, like, a quick chat with the DP of Selma, Bradley Cooper. Yes. Oh, not Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradford Young. Mm-hmm. Um, he, had, he had this to say, and he said, like, you know, a lot of it is just a breakdown in communication. We're all, all operating out of fear. And, I, and the more I think about that, those words – the more so, it makes so much sense because we talk about the system as almost like this big boogeyman behind the cupboards or whatever, and obviously there are powerful people in charge who are doing things that are yeah all
0: the lizard people although it's the lizard people and the Illuminati yeah.
1: it's Zod yeah, yeah. <laughs> who are doing things that we don't agree with artistically and creatively, but however it's it's also up to us. We have some semblance of power as creators, you know, mm-hmm. on, on across the spectrum of levels. To make these choices but we make choices out of fear saying our our thing our film won't sell because if we don't have this actor our film won't sell if we don't have these type of people our film won't sell because this and that yeah things that do not equate to good storytelling to good character <laughs> development
0: business yeah.
1: and just being a good artist i know that sounds really romantic but i do believe good art equates to good commerce yes yeah
0: y- y- Look at Netflix and what they've done in Master of None, or looking at Atlanta, and and, uh, look how Dan Harmon crafts his stuff. Look at like Rick and Morty. Um, There, there are creators out there who who don't care, who who do care about the stories they're telling and how they're telling them. And I think that's that's the most we can hope for is that we're continuing to get those opportunities, but that the right people continue to get those opportunities. Yeah, and perhaps this criticism of Trevorrow. He's aware of it. Yeah. It's being brought to his attention. He has to. <laughs> and, and, and how he's affected by that decision may affect how he continues to proceed as a filmmaker. Yeah. He's still in over his head. He's mm. in way over his head. And sink or swim, he's got to keep pushing forward. So yeah. To uh, to be determined on how that career trajectory goes and how Patty Jenkins' career goes now that the success of Wonder Woman is what it is. Yeah. Because you better believe if she doesn't get the chances she deserves, people are going to let Yeah people know yeah. that, that is there will be an outspoken cry i i hope yeah. i hope I, I the optimist in me says yes if Paige jenkins is not given the opportunity she deserves people are going to say something about yeah. it. so i want to stop the conversation here before we go any much longer um I, this is awesome. We're going to keep talking, obviously, once we end the episode because we've still got a lot to say. We're trying to guess. But uh, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are listening to this on the Facebook page uh, over at Redacted Media, p- feel free to comment. Or if you're listening on wherever you might find this, uh, uh, feel free to like, share, and do that all that things. You can tweet at me at TC's Big Head. You can tweet at Ben at Benji Toes, who's also on Instagram. Uh, anything
1: you want to plug real quick, Ben? Any projects you got that uh, people can find you at? Just in development mode at right at this point, nothing to show for it, but you can still follow us at Band with No Name Films on Facebook. Um, obviously, all the other social media handles that TC just prefaced, but you can find all of our old PSAs, mini documentaries, and short films on mm-hmm. our YouTube channel. Like the immortal Iron Fist? Yes, the greatest <laughs> Iron Fist.
0: <laughs> if you want to check out some other stuff that I'm responsible for, you can find it over at redacted.media, uh, and you can also listen to my weekly podcast, my Disney, essentially, or another rewatchman, where Jeff Bell and I over at ghosthat.net are watching every animated Disney film from Snow White to Moana. yeah so Uh, We just did The Jungle Book, which you and I can chat about if you want. Um, And you can check us out there. So thank you, everyone, for listening, for sharing, for liking, for commenting, for engaging in some conversation. Uh, Anything you might have heard today, feel free to feedback at us. And uh, I guess uh, if you're a creator out there, if you are inspired, if you are making and developing and telling stories, whatever you might be doing, keep doing doing. Mm, preach. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time.
2: Standing where
0: there we go. Standing oh,
2: it? That oh. We made out of
0: music playing. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while. Did it I don't know I Sometimes
2: it feels like they want to remind.